it's any consolation, he's on the uptown passenger list. Oh, no. Rafferty, you gotta let me go back. There's nothing you can do. You don't understand. My son needs me, Rafferty. Bobby, I know how you feel, but it was meant to be. You can't alter destiny. Destiny nothing. If it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be in this jail. I got him into this fix. You gotta let me get him out of it. The kid hasn't had a life yet, Rafferty. I didn't know what that meant. But last night, I found out what I lost. Bobby, the consequences. I don't care about the consequences. I'll do anything. Talk to the higher-ups. Talk to whoever you have to. Tell them I'll do anything, anything. Rafferty. Tell them I'd give up my soul. Heading for some place that ain't in a dream. Heading where no mortal man's ever been. And you may never see my face again. With the eyes of a fool and a heart full of fire. I'm climbing a mountain that keeps getting high. I'm playing a game where no one's supposed to win. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody? Whoa, 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 Mike, Mike, Mike. What? No, it's a hydrate level four. Say what? It's hydrate level four, dude. You're on my show today. Who the hell are you? Nah, it's Peter, man, from Hydrate Level Four. Time traveling, Peter? Yes, sir. Am I invading your podcast, sir? Just a little bit, Mike. What up, son? How's it going? Man, I'm doing pretty good. How you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be on your show, sir, and we can finally talk some Heavenly Kid all over again. At least for me, first time for you. I'm excited, sir. This is correct. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to my three listeners, uh, this is Mike uh, uh, Masonus. Um, what? It's uh, Masonus. Ma- 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 mayonnaise. Hey, you related to uh, Patty Mayonnaise? <laughs> Dude, you're pissing me off, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, Mike Masunas, and uh, you're on that podcast Jameson does, right, about sweeping the leg? or Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sweep the floor, sweep right, the leg, right, right. something like that. Sweep. Yeah, me, me and Jameson talked about it yesterday, and we thought it would be hilarious to kind of mess up on your name and, uh, and the, the show there. Oh, really? I'm going yeah. to have, a, I'm gonna have <laughs> a talk with that fool, slap him in the head next time I see him. Yes, so Mike Mack, Michael Masunis of Sweep the Leg uh, podcast. Uh, Mike, you are a guy that I found just a little over a year ago. It was about late July. I was on vacation, and I was looking for a Back to the Future podcast. That's usually how I look for shows is to see if they've done Back to the Future, and if they do it justice, you know, I'll give them a listen. So I found your Back to the Future shows, and then I looked through your um through uh through your episodes and your first three movies adventures and babysitting the wraith heavenly kid all three movies i grew up listening to or i'm sorry watching and i was like wow this guy's got some uh he's got some choice uh uh movies Scar- excuse me there he's got some choice movies here so yeah man the, your movie choices that's what got me into your podcast and i've been listening to it ever since well, thank you, sir. You're definitely the uh, the STL encyclopedia, that's for sure. Always reference it. I appreciate you always emailing every episode. Uh, unfortunately, you did Back to the Future, though, man. I And I had a co-host named Tim, and uh, it, that's a terrible episode. Uh, <laughs> I wish Jameson would have been on there, but I didn't, I didn't know him at the time. So I would love to redo the Back to the Future episodes if I could. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't like to go back to the older episodes. The Heavenly Kid uh, was my third episode, so I have never listened to that episode after I recorded it. Uh, but the cool thing with STL is that the fans um, have stuck with me since the beginning and they've gone through all the changes because when when you got on board, that's when I had everything. I had the nation, I had the sound clips, I had the custom intros. It had just gone through some major changes, but you decided you wanted to go back to the very beginning and, and catch up. I thought you were ridiculous. And yep. In fact, you liked the Adventures in Babysitting episode, which is absolutely <laughs> terrible. I wish I could just erase that from existence. Well, um, you could technically. I, I actually, um, feed wise, right? It erased on iTunes. And, oh, it did. Yeah, there's a setting, as you know, um, because I helped you get your podcast going. We both have mm-hmm. the same server. You have to have. There's a specific number, and once it reaches that number behind the scenes, it erases your episodes on iTunes. So you have to have your number set to like 500, which is what I currently have it set at. So that way it doesn't erase any of your uh, episodes. Uh, So when that erased, I actually had to add it back on. It became a new episode. And yeah, I was like, oh, my God, everybody has to hear this again. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, um, the purpose of me doing STL was to talk about um, podcasting was something kind of new to me. You know, Knight Rider is my favorite show of all time. And I found, uh, I was in iTunes, I typed in Knight Rider, and I found this thing called podcast. I was like, what the hell is a podcast? And I found out it's basically like a radio show, but it's there at all times. And I was looking for a Knight Rider podcast, and I came across The Shadowy Flight, which was Jason. Uh, And then, of course, uh, I started listening to all his shows, and I would listen to it constantly. And then I got to be friends with him, and uh, he became my mentor. And eventually I got started. He actually created the first logo for me. It was pretty awesome. Uh, So the famous logo of STO with the crank kick, that's all Jason. Thank you very much, sir. And I decided... The make mine different is nobody ever did music before. And I knew that if I didn't have a humongous audience, I could get away, copyright reason-wise, with music. I could do mm-hmm. a movie and music show. I wanted to do movies that had amazing soundtracks. Karate Kid, Heavenly Kid, The Wraith. All movies that when you associate the movie, you associate the soundtrack with. Right, and right. The, I- and, and the Karate Kid, I knew I wanted to save for until I got things rolling, until I was good at it. And in the back of my mind, I always knew it was going to be the 100th episode. So I started with The Adventures of Babysitting because it relates to Karate Kid because Elizabeth Shue's in there. That's why I started with that movie. Oh, okay. But I had a lot of sound problems, and uh, it, it was really bad. I had a, The one thing I did was I used headset mics, which are very bad quality. So mm-hmm. when you listen to my first 20 episodes, that's why they sound like garbage because you use, uh, as you know, you started off great because you asked what mic I use and we both have the same mic. You, mm-hmm. you, I, and Jameson actually, and Jason all have the same microphone, which is pretty cool. And the thing I wanted to do is incorporate music with movie reviews. And that's essentially what I started to do. And then I ran out of awesome movies and soundtracks, so I had to kind of take it from there. I wasn't set out to be an 80s podcast until the show kind of took a life of its own. Yeah. And and that's what it did. Uh, And I got real pissed about it in the Halloween series. You'll hear me starting to defend myself about how I'm not stuck in the 80s and all this and that. But uh, it eventually turned out to be 
that's what people want. They want a podcast to see if movies still, you know, they still yeah. work if today. They still hold up. Yeah, they mm-hmm. still hold up. Nostalgia podcast and I incorporated music. That's why I did the underground hour. And the reason I called it underground hour was because uh, only having about 100, 150, 200 subscribers, you can get away with playing music all the time because it's underground. It's nobody's going to report me. But, you know, I never wanted my podcast to ever get huge because if it gets huge, then I have to worry about, you know, I get censored. Basically, I can't do what I want to do. So, and essentially STL has become a movie and music podcast. It's been that way. It's been really cool. hundredth episode. Uh, I got Billy Zabka, AKA Johnny Lawrence from the karate kid on there for the hundredth episode. Turned out to be awesome. Turned out to be almost a five hour episode. It was ridiculous. Uh, I got some feedback. I should have made it a two part episode, but is what it is. Um, the 200th episode will be karate kid part two. Uh, tried to get Ralph Macchio, but he <laughs> he doesn't do podcasts, so it's all good. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the history. And you, sir, have been a humongous uh, help in the nation, and uh, it's very cool how we became friends. And if you ever do Back to the Future, I would love to redo those movies with you. And sure. uh, and the reason why I wanted to do Heavenly Kid is because if I knew then what I know now. I would have saved it because it's my second favorite movie of all time. And I found that out recently that it was my second favorite movie of all time. We'll talk about that as we talk yep. about the review, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, you know, it's kind of me in a nutshell, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, now how, how did you and Jameson meet? Because I know that he and Jason actually know each other from, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Funny. And enough. yeah. Yeah. So why don't you uh, tell us how your co-host Jameson and you hooked up for STL? Okay. Well, first, the whole co-host thing. Um, the reason I did a co-host thing was because I didn't think solo podcasting would work. I didn't think somebody would want to sit and listen to somebody do solo. So I, the only reason I went with Tim is because, okay, I have another person. But he was very uh, breaking my vision, if you will. So sure. eventually I got rid of him. Then I got Andrew. Everything was cool. However, we could never uh, we could never meet up, do anything. And it essentially was, you know, I don't like to, to, you know, I'm not on STL feed, so I guess I can do this. But yeah, those two wanted the glory, but not do any of the work. Right. So I eventually got to the point where I was like, screw it. I'm going to do this solo and the fans that I have are going to stick with me. And that's exactly what happened. So I stayed solo, never had any intention of getting a co-host. Then we get to the 50th episode, which was the Ghostbusters episode. I decided I wanted to do it live. And I did a three-hour episode. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe I did it. And Jason came on for a little while, you know, gave me some pointers and stuff like that, getting me set up. Mm-hmm. And a few days after the Ghostbuster episode aired on iTunes, uh, Jameson sent me uh, a Facebook message. And he's like, dude, you're – Ghostbuster episode was amazing, you know, and he, you know, and I knew him because he was on the Karate Kid episode with Jason. Yep. And I said, well, if this guy loves the Karate Kid, it's his second favorite movie of all time. This guy's pretty cool. And I had listened to maybe two episodes of Movie Moja Monthly, and I definitely liked him more than Brian. I, there was something about him that I resonated with. Well, after the 50th episode, we started talking, and believe it or not, it was Vanilla Ice that brought us together. 
Uh, right. I'm one of the cool only, as ice. one of the only people in the world that absolutely love Cool as Ice, and I love mm. Vanilla Ice. I've always been a fan of his. I've gone through his heavy metal phase, the underground, uh, just everything with Vanilla Ice. And I, I said, hey, you're the only person I know that loves Cool as Ice because he talked about it on Movie Mojo Monthly. And I said, if you ever want to talk about Cool as Ice, I would like to invite you on Sweep the Leg. We did Cool as Ice. We hit it off so much. I was like, wow, so cool. There was never any co-host talk. It was just, hey, maybe we should do another episode. The next one we did was Zombieland. And I'm a big 12 Stones fan. They're my uh, they're my fourth they're my third favorite band, and I really wanted to play Infected. It went totally with that. Uh, it was a huge episode. Everybody loved it. I was like, man, we should continue doing this. Again, there was never any be my co-host kind of thing. It eventually became where you come on whenever you come on, and I'll continue to do solo stuff. Uh, but his thing is he never wanted to do, outdo his welcome. You know, it, mm-hmm. and I, and the STL Nation loved him, loved us together. Thought we had amazing chemistry. We made each other laugh so much. They wanted more of us. And once, once he finally realized that, Jameson and I basically made it official. But it's more of like he's the ghost co-host. Uh, but mm-hmm. then recently, um, I lost my job. And we had vacations and stuff like that. So now what we do is is uh, we have votes for fans in our group, what movies they want us to do together, and then when it's time for me to go solo, you know, just when we can't get together, do votes for that as well. Just so I can keep STL going because I did, I had it dead for about a month, and uh, it it's very therapeutic for me to record. Mm-hmm. And I feel very naked if I'm not recording. <laughs> so that's kind of why we both decided that, hey, you know, um, we'll just, you know, when when we get together, we get together kind of like in the old days. But now it's more con- consistent. Before it was more like, you know, I'll be on, but I'm going to give it a little while because I don't know if the nation wants to hear us. Now he knows, hey, STL is my show. We'll get together when we get together. Right. Um, and we did a podcast together called Change the Channels Podcast, which was strictly a television podcast. But that became so time consuming, beyond time consuming, that after about 11 episodes, we had to call it quits. Uh, yeah, because you, you guys don't just sit down and just talk about a show. You you guys are actually sitting there watching episodes yeah. to prepare for an episode. Yeah, so I can totally see that. Yeah. And it was a monthly thing, too. Yeah, 30 to 40 hours of, of watching television shows when we could be pulling out all these movie reviews instead so uh, right. we, we called it quits and then um and then yeah so so basically we take all we we talk about 80s and 90s movies see if they still hold up today for the most part we pick movies that we know people are gonna love and right. uh very rarely we've only really had two movies where we disagreed on which was rocky five and um god i can't remember the other one uh very rarely do we really disagree on a movie which is which most people think would be boring, but somehow it's not. I don't know. So, yeah. I mean, you you know more than anybody how us two talking about a movie that we love is fun for some reason. I guess. Oh yeah, it's a it's a good time listening to you guys. I mean, and that's why I'm so active with the uh, uh, the STL Nation. Uh, you know, trying to get the games going and stuff like that because I have a good time listening to you, and I imagine you know other listeners do too. So I always want to involve them and try to get things going. 
Yeah, and you came on the Coming to America episode right after yeah. you recorded an episode here. And yeah. It was an amazing episode. It was uh, Tawana Diver City Williams, one of my longtime listeners, her favorite episode ever. And, yeah. and she said you did a fantastic job, and uh, it was super great. Is that velvet? We still got that yeah. going every episode. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Dude, it's so crazy. Jameson, the, the way he does it, too. It, it, it sounds like you're, you guys are playing like an audio clip, man. He, he sounds on point so with that good. impersonation. He's so good at it. Yeah. We, know, we, need to, we need to have him record like a bunch of like uh, sound clips and just use that on a soundboard and just hit certain buttons and have him chime in every once in a while. Yeah, and we actually put our slogans together. I always say good times. He always says very good so we put it together very good times that's a slogan of stl uh he always says hot garbage uh there's always some word i can never say like animated i can never say that stupid word there's always a word i can't say when we're together when i'm solo Mm -hmm. i can say words when we're not when we're together i can't but it's more of for comedy relief at this point so uh i yeah it's been super fun um and uh good times man and and i'm happy uh, that I'm on your show. I know you don't have a lot of listeners, but you know, you were eventually going to get there, man. It just takes yeah. time. You just, no. you, you keep, you keep the perseverance going and the fans will find you. Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you coming on here. You know, uh, obviously if you haven't figured out from this, this little conversation here without STL, there would had been no hydrate level four, you know, um, the same reason you started your show, uh, I was kind of getting on you like, hey, when are you guys going to do Coming to America, you know, and, uh, you know, like, well, you know, we'll get to it. And then I was, you know, uh, I I enjoy all your uh, movie selections, like I've already said. And um, since, uh, unfortunately, I found you a little a little late, about, what, three years in? You know, uh... you've already... Let me see. You started t- 2011 and I, uh, it was just last summer. So 2013. So two years, a little over two years you'd been doing it. Oh boy, yeah, man, it, it feels like forever. But yeah, STL was launched on February twelfth, two thousand eleven. So last year when I found you, you'd already been doing it for two years. Yeah. So going going back, you know, and and see, once I saw all your movie selections, I went back and I listened to every single one in consecutive order. And if you remember, I was emailing you and saying, "Oh, hey, you got a new co-host now." And then I remember you saying, "Oh, this is funny because it, it's a completely different guy now." Um, so uh, I, I, I think you found it amusing. Like I, I was trying to update um, you with new things I was finding about your podcast, and you're like, "Oh yeah, man, things have changed since then," kind of thing. And it probably took me a while to get to the SEL Nation too, because I don't think you um, uh, introduced that until what the one of the Turtle episodes, Ninja Turtle episodes. Uh, yeah, the actually the Ninja Turtle series is when the STL Nation was born, and essentially. You know, your your show is not a show without your fans. And one thing that I take great pride in is my fans. You know, and my fans are my friends. Uh, almost, I would rather have a podcast that I know every single person that downloads my show than be somebody out there like now playing that has 500,000 listeners and they don't know anybody. Um, so every single person that's involved who's my friend, you know, they actually all get nicknames. That's when I started that. You know, just basically all you had to do was email in a few times. I can kind of get to know you. And every nickname I've ever created, 
everybody's loved. I've never had anybody say, no, I don't like that nickname. It's stupid, you know? And then yeah. I started to do sound clips at that moment in time. Um, that's when I introduced Boom as the POD song Boom for the music spotlight. And, right, you're, right. and you're the best was the email. I had that going uh, until 2014. I officially changed it. It was a new year, new slogan. Uh, so I changed things up to some Skillet Rise and to some We Own It from Fast and uh, Fast and Furious Six. Uh, you'll know why if you go back to those earlier episodes. But yeah, man, I always try to reinvent the show. But the fans are the heart and soul of STL, and uh, you know it, it's been super fun. So you, you, you know, yours is time traveling, Peter, because yep. you love Back to the Future, and you went back uh, to all the prior episodes and you know, you were always writing in the past, in the future. You'd be like, you know, it was, we just had this real funny joke and you finally caught up and uh, I can always count on your email every single episode, which is fantastic. I always love what you have to say. And then the last episode, which was better off dead, you had never seen it, which was awesome because I I have a series called classic movies. Masunas has never seen. And um, you had never seen that. So right. it, it it's good times, man. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, so yeah. Essentially, I started my podcast the same way. Uh, all these movies, I was like, oh man, I really wish I could have chimed in because it's such a great movie. And my son's fourteen years old now, so I was like, ah oh, man, this this be a you know kind of a cool thing if we had our own podcast, and then I can go back and I can chime in on the on the same movies that maybe you've already um, reviewed. And like, well, now I can uh, have my own voice too. Yeah. So, and also the the whole nickname thing, I was kind of, um, I, I, I think I kind of did what Inception did in the movie. You know, I, I think I kind of planted an idea in your head because if you remember, um, when I was going back on your old episodes, every single time I emailed in, oh, hey, Mike, you know, I'm emailing from, you know, uh, November fifth, uh, right? You know, you know, whatever. So, 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 I always like added a certain date to. So, you know, and and I think that kind of maybe helped you get an idea, like okay, something time traveling related, because he's always writing from the past. Very good, sir. Very yeah. Good. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, shall uh, we ro- shall we roll into our review of the Heavenly Kids, sir? Dude, let's do it. I think that's why people are listening. Yeah, I'm done pimping my crap, so it's yeah, all good. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get it. All right, sir. Well, here's the thing. Um, the, yep. Kar- the Karate Kid, for those of you who don't know, is my favorite movie of all time, hence the reason why I named my show Sweep the Leg. Mm-hmm. The Karate Kid I've seen over 500 times. And uh, essentially, I watched that movie every single day for five years. So, uh, you know, it was my f- obviously the only movie, you know, it felt like the only movie in the world to me. So, and you could tell how I got over the 500 because 365 days, you know, clearly you get it. I mean, I may have skipped yep. a day here and there, but I've never known what was my second favorite movie. But I have a variety of movies that, you know, are dear to my heart. Howard the Duck, The Heavenly Kid, The Wraith, Ventures in Babysitting, Coming to America, which is my favorite comedy of all time. A lot of the movies that I've reviewed are all close to my heart. Now, when I started the show, nobody had ever reviewed The Wraith. And the, part of the biggest reason I created STLs, nobody ever reviewed The Heavenly Kid. Nobody ever reviewed The Wraith. I wanted to get it out there. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, for my first episode, I purposely didn't pick those because I wanted to kind of get my feet wet. So The Heavenly Kid was my third episode. I had my sound issue fixed. 
And I can't even remember. I think it was a very short episode, maybe 30 minutes long. I don't remember much about it, but I was pretty happy with it. I know uh, people are happy with it because uh, when you type in the Heavenly Kid in iTunes, it's the most popular episode out there. So I guess people dig it. But yeah. uh, now there's so much I got to say about this movie. And I just recently put this on, showed my daughter, absolutely loved it. Kind of like you're showing Phoenix, you know, all this stuff and getting a, a new perspective from, yeah. you know, from, from a younger this person. generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The twist where she finds out that Lenny's, you know, Bobby's son was amazing. She did what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this movie is definitely, you know, reminiscent to the title, The Karate Kid, uh, The Heavenly Kid. But mm-hmm. it's it's a movie that I I watch I watch so many times, oh, at least over a hundred times. But the soundtrack this is easily my second favorite soundtrack. Dude, all, it's a it's uh, an awesome soundtrack, man. Uh, I was watching the movie again last night, and every song that came on, I was just it it put me in a different zone, man. Uh, especially um, that scene where uh, I, mean, I mean we'll get into it, but it, it's when Emily and Bobby are walking like around the school. Heart, and, heart you know, of love, baby. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. Yep. Yeah. So so that one really got to me. Um, so, but uh, one thing I wanted to throw out before we get any further, uh, a thing uh, we do on this show is the parental guidance. Uh, this movie surprisingly is PG thirteen, but for the eighties. Uh, it you know it's probably appropriate for it, but you know there's some language. They say the the sh word a few times. Uh, I think Bobby says uh, a hole once, and then there's a scene where uh, Lenny is naked for like two seconds. So there's some minor drug news, but that's it. PG thirteen, and but now standards. What do you think? Would it be PG or do you think it's still PG-13? No, PG-13 because, uh, you know, as you know, in PG-13, you're allowed to say the F word twice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does say it once in says, the beginning. There, there's an F in Viking in Viking, here. Viking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you okay. forget that part, sir. Yeah, uh, so early on, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, parental guidance, I still think would be PG-13. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, PG-13 definitely feels safe. This movie definitely warrants PG-13. A-hole, I mean, I can hear that on FX at 9 o'clock, so that's sure. probably considered nor. Let's face it, the F-bomb is going to be the only swear word in the yeah. next five years. You know, uh, like douchebag, I say that every episode I'm on STL. Right. And nah, I, I had no idea this was the first time I ever heard that terminology was in this movie. Subconsciously, I'm like, oh, now I know where I, where I know douchebag from. But, you know, uh, a-hole, people say that on TV after 5 o'clock, it seems. You know? Oh, yeah. You oh, can, yeah. You know, you, there's so much stuff that you can say. So maybe this would be PG in today's standards. Who yeah. knows? But PG thirteen feels feels safe to me. So, yeah. Well, let's let's talk uh, before we get into it. Let's talk a little bit more. Um, this is directed by Carrie Meadowway. I I've never heard of this person. I don't even know if it's a guy or girl. But I did look up his or her uh, filmography, and they've only done like two movies. And this is like the second one. Yeah, that's you, crazy. You know, Lewis Smith, which is right. the. Some people think Lewis Smith is the heavenly kid. Now, come on, folks. Lewis Smith, Bobby, is like easily in his late 20s, early 30s. Clearly from his look, Emily's look, there's no way he's the heavenly kid. It's Jason Gedrick's character is the heavenly kid. Okay, People need to realize that. Now, Lewis Smith, 
I'm glad that this is really his only movie. The other movie I saw him in was kind of a TV movie where he was an alien and the mother from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation was in yeah. that movie and his his eyes would fall off, his face would come off. That's really the only other movie I've seen him in, so this is really the only movie I know him in. Uh, fantastic. But yeah. some, some people uh, associate the Heavenly Kid to him, but it's not yeah. him. So. And yeah, this is the only movie I know him from. I was looking up his filmography too, and apparently he uh, appeared in Django Unchained, which I've seen, but I don't remember him in there at all. Okay. Uh, but Jason Gedrick, uh, he was in uh, Top Gun, right? Oh, Jason! Ged- <laughs> uh, yeah, J- Jason Gedrick is one of my favorite actors of all time. There's a game Jameson and I do, which is uh, what movie am I? It's a fun mm-hmm. game to play with all your friends. I've constantly beat him, which he's now killing me. So I should throw some more Jason Gedrick movies at his at him. Uh, but yeah, Iron Eagle, Backdraft, uh, The Zoo Gang, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, and you cannot find anywhere. I have the VHS copy, fantastic soundtrack. Uh, have you seen The Zoo Gang, sir? I've never heard of it. Is that before or after this? Uh, it's the same year, actually. The Zoo really? Gang. The Zoo Gang is essentially uh, a bunch of kids have a nightclub, and uh, the guy who plays the Freddy Krueger in the new remake. Uh, what's his name that everybody loves? The new guy. Yeah, uh, the new that's guy. That's like Earl Earl uh, H- Jackie Earl. Earl H- yeah, Jack- yeah, Jackie Earl Haley. He is the leader of this group of gang that takes over their club. And they have two weeks to get their club back. And it's essentially Jason Gedrick and his group try everything they can to get their nightclub back. It's an amazing movie, awesome soundtrack. Uh, it's got the guy from Family Ties that lived next door, Skippy. He's in Skippy. that movie. Uh, okay. And then Jason Gedrick's um, uh, little brother in Iron Eagle is in yeah. this movie as well. Okay. Which plays the brother of his girlfriend which is pretty cool. So it's a fantastic movie, but unfortunately very few people have seen it and I have a VHS copy. So it's fantastic, man. So, yeah. And, uh, then Emily, who's also another, another main character here played by, uh, Jane Kaczmarek. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Malcolm Um, in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Most people probably know her from that. Um, you know, for the longest time, I thought she was the mom from Big, too. They just kind of look alike, but, yeah, two yeah. completely different people. I hear you, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was also looking at this, and this is super surprising. Uh, in the box office, it only made about $3.8, $3.9 million, Yep. Uh, which is ridiculous because that's super little. So that kind of shows, like, um, how... Uh, I don't want to say unpopular, but uh, not a lot of people went to go see this. I mean, this came out in the summer of 85, and I looked it up. Back to the Future came out just a few weeks before. So it was kind of overshadowed by movies uh, like Back to the Future. I got a list here. Goonies came out that year. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, Breakfast Club. Dude, yeah, the, 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 last, the Last Dragon. 1984, 1985. 1984, we've argued on STL, is the greatest year in movie history. And mm-hmm. 1985, would, I would probably be second. Uh, yeah. The thing is, this movie is got was on cable all the time. Now, when yep. we do our review, uh, which I hope we get to soon because you know, <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah. we're straying away from it, but... There's a second version of this film, and I know all the details too. That uh, I'm Good. going, I'm going to insert at certain points to explain the things that don't make certain sense in the theatrical cut of this film. 
So okay, yeah, that's important to know because there are two different versions. Um, I grew up actually watching it on TV. I've never owned a copy, and for this review, I actually watched um, um, the version without some of those scenes you're talking about, and I knew because you know I was like, wait, wait, wait. I remember there was something else about the scene, but they, they totally cut it out. So, um, so I saw the the edited version, and you know the entire movie. So yeah. Bring yeah. that in once we get there. So yeah, go ahead. Let's let's uh, let's talk about the beginning of the movie here, where uh, it's the early '60s and they're out on a cliff. Uh, it's at nighttime, and Bobby, our main character, he's uh, um, he's wearing a leather jacket. He's got the jeans, so you know it's kind of that look of the late '50s, early '60s, right? So essentially, he's kind of a greaser. Yeah, he's a greaser. Looks like uh, James, Jim, you know, James Dean. James Dean. Yeah. Uh, he's he smokes the whole time. Essentially, this is a race. Uh, back then, you challenge, you know, my girl, challenge my honor. Your ass is getting a race. This is essentially how it works. Uh, yeah. Don't and- you think this is a little? Uh- uh, what's that word? It's a little extreme, you know, for Joe just making a pass at Emily, and now they're challenging each other to play chicken towards a cliff. But here's the thing, man. Um, yeah. With Bobby, Bobby is a cool factor. He gets major character development by the end of this film, just like yeah. just like Leonard does. So mm-hmm. at this point in time, as he says, he's made a lot of mistakes. He's all about being cool, keeping the reputation. As he said, he did it for the crowd. And, you know, he it's to prove to her that he will do anything to prove his love to her. So, yes, extreme, of course. And that's the whole purpose of why he did this. Yeah. And this speaks volumes, too, because Joe even gives him an out. You know, he apologizes for even making a pass at Emily. And, you know, he he gives him a chance to kind of, you know, like, hey, we don't have to do this. And, you know, Bobby still wants to. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of you can talk Karate Kid, too, about honor, you Mm -hmm. know, just because. Uh, Some of the things Daniel did, he doesn't understand what's the big deal. I can just say I'm sorry, and you can't do that in Okinawa. It's all about honor. So, you know, back in the 60s, man, honor was a big thing. Big deal. Big deal. Yeah, it's about reputation. You know, you don't want to be looked at. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so they 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 hop in the car and they both start racing towards the uh, the cliff at well, a really yeah yeah go ahead. I, I gotta back you up a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. Oh yeah yeah the, the okay, there, go ahead. There's this subplot about a ring. Okay. So Bobby goes in his car, backs up, and Emily's like, you know, uh, you don't have to do this. You know, he's like, my honor's at stake. And he's like, I got it covered. That's his that's his catchphrase. I got it covered. Yeah. And, and he holds his hands up uh, like a particular way, too. It's totally a thing that he does all the time, obviously. It, right. Exactly. And as he kisses, uh, as he kisses Emily, he pulls out his class ring and gives it to her because, you know, hold this for me. This is for luck. So she, right. she puts it on her finger. The kiss ends and then they get in the car. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind here. That's the subplot of this ring. And then we get into one of the greatest openings of a film where we get the fantastic song of Out on the Edge, baby. Woo-hoo. Love this song. This Love song, it. The song is amazing. Uh, the Heavenly Kid is the name of the song, a.k.a. Out on the Edge. The lyric, the, the thing with this soundtrack is the lyrics go with the scene. When yep. you you know I'm I'm headed to a place where no mortal man's ever been and you may never see my face again and then they put the camera on Emily it's fantastic this soundtrack yeah. is you know a soundtrack should mirror 
with the movie and this soundtrack does that a bunch of times in a bunch of scenes heartless we'll talk about later yeah it's, it's a fantastic opening it's a fantastic song and uh his cuffling gets stuck on the steering wheel and he says the os but it doesn't actually end with t so it's cool uh falls off the cliff uh it exp- the cars explode emily freaks out and the ring as she's crying falls off of her finger and falls down to the crash site yeah. so you don't see that in the theatrical cut and you'll wonder how does he get the ring back later well it's because it fell off of her finger uh as she's being held by uh joe at this moment right. of time so yeah um and then we get the title credits heavenly kid you know this is something that they don't do often anymore really um what do you think about uh, about back in the 80s when they had these title cards uh, very cool, man. It's very, uh, it's very subtle. You know, it's very cool. It's like uh, almost my science project. The same kind of coloring, if you will. Yeah, I yeah. really, I really dig it because it has that heavenly feel to it. it. It shows the name. You hear the echo of "Out on the Edge" in the background, and then immediately you hear a swoosh sound, almost like a heavenly sound, and then immediately go into the subway. So, it, you know, of course, these movies are entertainment. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not going to get the whole heaven and hell thing right. It's just for entertainment. It's not being politically correct, which I like. So their idea is that you take a subway to get to Uptown, aka Heaven, and if you don't go to Heaven, then you go to a place called Midtown, which I really dig. This, this is good times, and, yeah. And that's where Bobby's going. He's on a subway. He gets and sees all these people going up to an ele- up an elevator. And he's all cool, calm, collective, doesn't even know he's dead. He's like, this Uptown thing sounds pretty cool. I'm going to have to check this out. You know what's funny, though? On the train, he seems to be the only one that looks confused. You right? know, he's like l- looking around, looking left, right, behind him. There's this like, old lady that sits behind him, too. And she's like, you know, I don't know if she's died from cancer, but she's got, got the cigarette asking him for a light. Oh, yeah, but, easily yeah. died from cancer, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just looks completely confused. And so when they get to, what was it, they get to a train station where they're kind of being directed to the, uh, what, the escalators to go uptown? Yeah, this way to uptown, this yeah. way to uptown. Yeah, that's now, what they say. Th- this, this is kind of weird. I don't know if you know, but um, when he first gets there, well, he's like the last one to get there, second to the last, because that lady, she comes after him. But everyone's going up the escalators just fine. But then they stop him right there and it's like, hey, you know, what's your name? You know, he's like, I'm Bobby. And they kind of put him off to the side and that old lady up first. But why do you think he's with this group of people who, you know, get the okay to go up, but he's the only one that's kind of put off to the side? Well, because of the he because of the day he died, he automatically went on the train because Mm -hmm. because they play with that later on when Lenny's supposed to die for if it's any consolation, he's on the train uptown. So everybody goes on that train the day that you die. So they're all going to that place, except they stop him and say, this is one of Rafferty's boys. And that's why they put him on the side. Okay, I missed that line then. So, so, yeah, so he, he, everybody essentially goes to the station. But if um, they said something, or Raf said something about him a little bit later, he had some strikes against him. So that's why he wasn't allowed to go to Uptown. So he just kind of had to wait for Raf, right? Right. Essentially, you know, in the Heavenly Kid uh, universe, you know, which, you know, it does say that the greatest love of all is to lose your life for another uh, in the Bible, of course. So this actually works. Essentially, he has to prove himself 
worthy enough to be led into uptown because he has a few strikes against him. Essentially, he only cares about himself. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to find out later what he what's the ticket. You know, they they have a lot of fun with this, but they say, look, you know, you're not you're not on the train to hell, but you're not going uptown either. You're midtown because there's a lot of things you need to do to prove yourself first. So so that's when Raffney shows up, which is played by Richard Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Raph. Yeah, th- this guy's fun, man. He he's a crazy guy on a motorcycle. It, it's a real bad motorcycle. Always yeah. uh, has a lot of uh, exhaustion Fumes, problems. Yeah. yeah, and essentially says you must be Bobby. You know, Bobby still doesn't know he's dead until Rafferty tells him on, on his way to um, a restaurant. Dead? Yeah. What do you mean, what do you mean dead? dead? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so uh, so Rafferty, he's kind of like a uh, kind of like a guide. So so this guy. We're to assume that he's already been to Uptown, and his job is to take these guys who can't make it up there and give them a, a, an assignment to help them get to Uptown. Right. right? So, he, so, so he's the, this guide for um, you know, that will take these people on a journey and 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 help them through their assignments and stuff. So right. that's what he does. He could be a lower a lower level Grim Reaper, if you will. You know, yeah. maybe like level for, one for the good side. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because the Grim Reaper is. Neither he he's supposed to be neither neither heaven nor hell. He just takes yeah. you to your destination. That that's the mythology of it all. This and that, which of course we're not going to get into because the movie doesn't sure. get into. But Grim Reaper, people think he's this evil guy. But Bill and Ted Bogus Journey, this guy's hilarious. He's the yep. best part of that movie. So I like to think of Rafferty as just class one Grim Reaper, very cool. You know, and as you say, on the good side, he's probably. Yep. He's probably on heaven's payroll and just like, you know, you got to you got to give people their assignments to get where they need to go, you know. And right. and I love this restaurant. It says we never close. Good, yeah. Good times because they actually play around with that. When you get to Max's place, it says we're always open. It's kind yeah. of kind of gives you, you know, a little back and forth here. And then uh, he goes. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure the name 7-Eleven was taken, too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so yeah, they get to to uh, we never close, and Raph asks him, "What does he remember last?" And, exactly. Yeah, he says the race, and you know, Bobby's got this moment of realization that he's never going to see Emily again, and he's trying to leave, right? So he says that uh, he wants to tell her something, and Raph says this line that I really like. Um, you know, it's, it's not a good line, but it just it gets you. You know, he says, "You've already told her all you'll ever will." Yeah. All- You've already told her all you ever will. You're right. It's a fantastic line. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very poignant poignant line of just like, you know, this is how it is, man. You know, yeah. that's it. You're done. You know, you've said your piece. And just, he just kind of smacked him with reality. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's when Bobby finds out, okay, I'm dead. And then he finds about the assignment. What's the matter? He doesn't like my clothes. You know, yeah. it kind of the, makes the it, big chief. It, it, they yeah. talk about the big chief, right? The big chief, as as they like to say. Yeah. So, so then he takes them to uh, the train. He's like, "You're gonna have to ride the, the train uh, until we can find you assignment." Well, how long? Yeah. How long does it go around? Yeah. And he's like, "How long do I have to be in here?" And so, he, he yeah, waits he, for the door to close, and he's like, "Might be a while." He goes. There's an effing Viking in here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he looks to his right, and, yeah, there's an effing Viking. And then uh, I think 
it cuts to he's sitting on the train now, and then you see like a cowboy, you see a Civil War soldier. Yep. Um, so a bunch of these guys, you're like, okay, they've, they've been sitting there for a while waiting for an assignment too. Um, which is, okay, now th- this is kind of weird to me. I was thinking, why did he have to wait for so long? Because now, are th- do you think he was on there for, uh, what, 17, 18 years wait- waiting for this moment uh, in Lenny's life to, to jump in? Because don't you think that they could have just gone straight to that point? No, no, here's the thing, man. This is all real time. Uh, okay. This isn't like, uh, you know, in, in some movies, you know, if you're gone, you know, you go to heaven, you know, you're there your five minutes is 20 years on earth. This is, yeah. this is real time. So this is 25 years because it's early sixties. And this movie is in, the, it says the present, which takes you to 1985. Right, so right. We needed Emily to cope with the fact that, you know, Bobby died. Uh, and then we need to have Joe propose. They get married and then Lenny has to grow up. So Lenny is in high school He's pro- oh, he's probably a senior, so yeah, he's like probably seventeen, eighteen years old. You you just said something that totally made me. I I didn't even think about this. So it said uh, the movie opens up and it's the early sixties. Yep. If Lenny is like seventeen, eighteen, that should put it in the late eighties or. Mm, yeah, yeah, see, because it, it should be like mid to late 60s for it to work, for it to be 85. Exactly. See, Weird. That's the thing is that it says early 60s, and then when you get to the 80s, it says the present. Well, the present means the year the movie came out, which the movie came out in 1985. So that yeah. means that this is at least 25. If we're talking 1960, he's on the train for at least 25 years. So let's say 1965, he's only on it for 20 years because you need at least – Dude, she was pregnant, obviously, when when he died, and you yeah. still you still need that time for Joe to and them to get married and stuff. But yeah, he's at least, I mean, at least seven, 16, 17 years old in this movie. Not in he's no, nowhere near younger than sixteen years old in this movie. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I think that's the thing that kind of confuses me and maybe other people too. Because why even say early sixties? Because if you think that he's been on the train for twenty five year- years, you should think Lenny's going to be in his early twenties. Right. See that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, why. Yeah. I, that's why I like to think that he was only on it for like uh, twenty years because of the fact of it said early sixties, and if you say nineteen sixty five, that's still early sixties. Yeah. And you know, twenty years. If he's 17, that's only three years, you know, difference there. So, you know, I mean, you got to give it a little leeway. Sure, sure. You know, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're not. Speci- it just kind of sticks out. Yeah. yeah, they're not specific on it. But the point is, it's real time. He's been yeah. on the train long enough for Lenny to grow up to be exactly where he is at this moment in time, which is why he had to be on the train that long. All right. So let's go ahead and go to the present time where we're at Max's. Yeah, man. Jason Gedrick, I love this guy, man. He's fantastic. I've always loved him. Iron Eagle blows away Top Gun. Top Gun's a piece of crap movie compared to Iron Eagle. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I love Jason Gedrick. When he he dies and and backdraft kills me every time because I can't ever watch the scene where he burns up. Uh, He's gone on to play some villains and cops and TV shows and stuff. I love this guy. He's fantastic in this movie. Yeah, I only know him from this and Backdraft, but you know that's all I need to know him from because he he does good in this movie. You know, I, I really like his acting. Um, the the thing with this movie is they they play him off as like you know 
for lack of a better word, a loser. But like just just the look of him, he doesn't look like a loser, man. This this guy's a handsome guy. Right. You know, he's kind kind of a strapping young man. You know, he you know I don't think it works out, but he's not a scrawny nerd. You know, not like uh, Ronald from you know Can't Buy Me Love. He's nothing like that. So that's kind of a um, interesting choice from the director, but I like it. Well, I mean, yeah, he's clearly built. When they show him with no clothes on, you see his chest. This guy's got you know he's got some man boobs going on. This guy yeah. works out. And well, stuff. not man boobs, but but I get you what you mean like. Well, hey, built. that's what they call him in the pacifier with Vin Diesel. So that's what I'm oh, referring yeah. to here. Now, you never seen Iron Eagle, son? Uh, you know, when I was really young, my dad actually owned them. Well, yeah, you none of them. Only one exists. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight don't exist. So, yeah, yeah. Screw, <laughs> right, right. So screw those movies. Yeah, it, it's been a really long time. It's probably been over two decades. Um, we, we had it on VHS, and it's not something that anybody at the house really watched. So I never um, really, you know, really cared to to watch it. Um, for to me, to me, I think I was too young to really. Uh, um, really appreciate like a like a good action movie. You know what I mean? Right. Well, um, go back so, and watch it, man, because he is fantastic. He's a badass in that movie. So. Okay. Yeah. But, isn't Lamar in that movie too? From, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Lamar, and uh, so is uh, so is Bobby from the Karate Kid. Uh, he's, oh, okay. He, he sabotages ah. his plane in the beginning. So it, it's fantastic, fantastic movie, dude. Go check it out. But yeah. the the reason why he's a nerd. Is his clothes are a little bit different. He's very yeah. quiet and he loves poetry, yep. H- hence making him the the geek or just kind of the loser, if you will. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, I feel bad for him because this Lenny is me, man. Growing up, I mean, I I never had this is me through elementary school, high school, everything, man. So I. That's probably another reason why I I love this movie. The Karate Kid and the Heavenly Kid are so similar because of the character. You were able to kind of relate. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's flipping patties in the kitchen and he's getting yelled at for not even putting the burger in the like the you well, know, the stuff in the in the right order. Yeah, I mean Max is a douchebag, let's face it, but he doesn't like anybody. But yeah. the point of this is for you to see Melissa, who Melissa very very much a cutie. Uh with yep. this is clearly the you know, this is the woman of your dreams. You just don't know it yet. Yep. Uh, you know, and my favorite, though, is she comes up and gives him the order. The This guy wants uh, – I can't even say it. She says it so fast. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. She she gives him like six burgers. See, I've worked in the kitchen, and, and usually you just give him the ticket. So, like, <laughs> like she's trying to tell him like, like he's going to memorize it all. So I, I think that's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, so uh, Nancy Valen, do you know her from anything else? Nancy Valen. Uh, actually, I do. Um, she was in Baywatch, actually. Yeah, I remember uh, that. For a little while. Uh, she was also Not that in, I watched it. She was in Loverboy with Patrick Dempsey. Oh, yeah. So that, th- those are the biggest ones I remember her from. So Yeah, according to Jameson, that's the uh, Can't Buy Me Love Part 2. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, speaking of Jameson, we're going to talk about, as I always do, what do you, what do you think of the, the female lead hotness level cuteness level comes in sharon i don't know about you but she ain't no iggy son no I, no i think she's I, ugly son i i don't find her attractive at all i mean later on she shows us a you know a little cleavage you know that that's not bad but yeah i do i i think melissa's 10 oh, times oh, prettier 10 times man maybe and, and, maybe 20 and you know what? now that we're even talking about the both of them do you think blondes really have more fun Oh, dude, my wife, uh, 
man. Who's Elizabeth Shue? Hey, right. <laughs> you know, I met my wife uh, twelve ten ninety eight eleven forty five p.m. Uh, don't ask me how I know all this. It's 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 long story. You should know that stuff, I right? Know. But the yeah. the first time I met my wife, um, I thought she was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, and I said something to her, and she called me a poser. And I asked my friends what's a poser, and they told me what it is, and I called her, <laughs> and I called her a you know bitch. If you gotta <laughs> blur this out, that's fine. No, that's and, fine. And then I uh, and then I didn't talk to her, and then twenty minutes later, she comes over to my table, and I had really long hair all the way down to. My shoulders. Yeah, uh, I was real grease, man. I, I had those big baggy pants that went over your your shoes, and she was right. I was a poser. I had no idea the kind of person I was because I was going through a lot of stuff at that time, which I've talked yeah. about in STL. But mm-hmm. uh, the point is, she came over, put my hat on. I'm like, I thought you hated me, and we, and we we do that. I kid you not. That night, I told her my deepest darkest secret that night, and. The way she looked at me, man, I knew that this was the woman in my dreams. The second night that we got together, I knew she was going to be my wife. Kid you not, man. Wow. Love uh, at first sight. Yep. Almost. And she was a blonde. And uh, she's, uh, you know, I I like to say she looks like Elizabeth Shue. She's a redhead now. She's the big, bright red hair. It's good times. Uh, Do they have more fun? They're crazy, you know? Yeah. Uh, The the, the reason I bring that up, because watching this movie, I go, huh, you know, it's kind of a like like a cliche or a trope where where they kind of put like the popular girl as a blonde and usually the uh the girl that's a, um you know a friend that's a girl and usually is the brunette or the dark ha- uh, colored hair right right exactly because if you think about Teen Wolf you have Boof and uh, what's the other girl uh, Pam Pamela oh. or something like that right she's a blonde Boof right. is brunette. Um, and Boop, then think of weird science, you know, <laughs> right, huh? ex- right. Yeah, yeah. She's way better looking. Booth is, you yeah. right. It's an, it's an eighties cliche. Yeah, so yeah. now it's, you know, any, any hair color works. I mean, you talk about easy a and Emma Stone's redhead throughout the movie. So, yeah. and, you know, it works. Yeah. But and, yeah, and, uh, but, but this, this girl, Sharon, the actress, she goes on to do nothing else, you know, and Nancy Valen, she, she's got like all these things under her belt. So yeah, she that. Sharon is as wooden as wooden pencil can be, man. Yeah, she's got no personality, and you know we'll we'll kind of find out about that particular personality a little bit later. But um, the, the first time we see her, she she does nothing for me. You know, um, uh, this her boyfriend was a gallo. What's his first name? I forget his first name. Uh, Jer- but, I don't know. He's some you know he he's douche- kind of prettier than her. Du- douchebag gallo is what I like to call him. Yeah, so. yeah. A bunch of douchebags in the eighties. <laughs> I know, right? Now, yeah. what I love is Bobby when you know he's like lots of changes. You know, yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. He's like, oh, right. there's been a lot of changes since your day. No, no s. You know, because but that's the thing. As as Lenny's working, they show Bobby and Rafferty coming to the present, right. and that's uh, you know that's that's what he says. So. And there's a little foreshadowing here because when Bobby and uh, Raph first showed up, he starts walking around Max's and he sees these two guys like uh, I get they're basically dealing, you know, at, at this table. And the one guy is telling the other guy, oh, man, this is going to make your head spin and blah, 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 blah. And Bobby's like, where are we on Mars? You know, so right. uh, so so and, um, you know, Bobby doesn't know it, but we see it. And the guy's selling another guy basically a joint. Yeah. You know, this this guy is all like, yeah, this thing's going to blow your mind. And then you see Lenny coming out. Watch a jerk. 
you know, yeah. and, and Lenny's just trying not to crash anybody. What does he do? He he gets kicked by Gallo's friend, and the burger goes all over Sharon, and Gallo calls him an a-hole. But what I love is the background. I, in this movie, there's so much fantastic commentary in the background. If you really sit down and listen to what people say, there's a girl uh-huh. in the background that's like, that was outrageous. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I love listening to the people in the background of this movie. It's fantastic. You really got to uh- check it out. I'm glad it's nothing random too. Like uh, I don't know if you remember Back to the Future when they're in the cafeteria, and this is when Biff and Marty was about to go at it. Then they get interrupted by Strickland, and then after that, somebody like throws a paper airplane in front of Strickland's face, and this guy just cackles. Man, this is a weird laugh off to the side. No, it's hilarious, but it was like it was so random. Like it it works, but uh, so I appreciate things like that when it's just nothing random. (laughs) I mean. you know, like it could be random and just not fit. Right. But it, but it works. Yeah, that cackle is amazing. That's one of my favorite parts from Back to the Future, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so so Lenny, he um, gets he, fired. So, yeah, he get he gets fired for for it wasn't even his fault. You know, I, I wish he had the kahunas to kind of say like, look, this this guy tripped me. You know, but that, that's uh, that, not that, his style, though. Man. It's not his style. It shows that his his personality. He's a little passive. So so th- we're we're getting to see you know. Uh, Lenny as a person right here. He's passive. He gets yelled at for the littlest things. Um, but uh, See you, Barnes. Wiener, wiener. You know, <laughs> he goes on his bike, and he goes to his his quiet place, which is a cliff. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Len- Lenny loves poetry. Now, I got to say, dude, when he gets up and – his his face, the look on his face is amazing. No, it, it's so hilarious, good, dude. It oh is pretty God. funny, and and <laughs> if if you look really carefully, he's falling the, um, down on the cliff, but you can totally tell it's a dummy. You oh, know, they're yeah. falling down the way. It, so I think that's funny. I think that just adds to it. Uh, it does. It's so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Lenny stands up after after he was reading uh, reading some literature, some poetry. So he yeah he gets up, slips, and and he falls off this massive cliff to be <laughs> caught by Bobby at the bottom. That you gotta watch that step, kid. It's it's a big. Oh, what is it's it? a nasty one. It's yeah. a nasty one. <laughs> yeah, it just it just yeah. So Lenny just uh, turns and vomits on the back of uh, Bobby. So I don't know if it was the fall or because, you know, when I was younger, I thought that he knew he was a ghost and that's why he vomited. But it's probably just like motion sickness from the fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and then I love Bobby. He cleans it up and he sticks the nasty rag in his coat. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm out of here. I go catch a train. He's like, well, I saved his life, didn't I? He goes, you know, you got to be his friend. I am a German shepherd. (laughs) I love it. It's fantastic. That is such a nice touch. If you look at that, like maybe from, I don't know if it was a Lewis Smith's decision to do that or or, or the director's, but yeah, he he tucks the the napkin into um, <laughs> Lenny's jacket, kind of like, hey bud, take care of this for me. You know what I mean? So he he doesn't want a litter, so he just tucks it into Lenny's jacket. There you go, take care of that. Yeah. So basically, so that's pretty. That's a, that's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, w- one thing we didn't mention. This is actually pretty important. But when they were back at Max's, uh, we do learn a certain rule that Raph uh, tells. Bobby, right? Um, basically, he he can't show himself to anybody but his his own assignment. Exactly. Yeah. You can sh- you can do it, but the rules are your the rules are you can only reveal yourself to your assignment because he's like nobody can right. touch us. Right? He tries to touch the girl's rear end. Cold shower still works. You know, I love that that line. That was great. But yeah, that's the thing. He can reveal himself if he wants to, but he'll get in trouble if he does. 
Right, and you can nitpick all you want, but but this this movie, you you really just got to take it in because they kind of do play uh, a little loose with with these rules. Um, you know, in particular, what I'm talking about is like uh, the physicality of Bobby himself. Like he can he can touch things, he can do certain things as if he was actually there. And I'm just kind of used to you know in in movies, ghosts kind of just go through things, you know right. that that they can't touch. So so this movie does it a little bit different, and you just got to give it that. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing that doesn't make sense is he smokes all the time. You know, yeah, because he drives. He he drives. Yep. He's, he's not there, but he drives, which we'll talk. You know, we'll get a scene we'll get there that, soon. Yeah, that, that talks about that. He can ride bikes, so he can touch physical things. You just can't see him. How he smokes, I still don't know. Yeah, and and you would think like if somebody walked in, you would just see like a cloud of smoke, you know, like contained in a little area. But my my reasoning is that he died with cigarettes, so the cigarettes are attached to him. Okay, it's a a trait of his. Exactly. Be, yeah, it's part of his DNA. Like his jack, like his his clothes cannot be taken off. His cigarettes died with him, so he can smoke cigarettes. Yeah, and nobody sees smoke now. The weed, obviously, is real time. People can see and smell because it's not part of his cigarettes. Yeah. So fair enough. Yeah. So um, and that scene basically, it ends with um. Uh, basically, Bobby thinks that he's done, that he he saved Lenny's life, and uh, Raph tells him, "No, you know, you need to be his friend." He feels like he's worthless, and he, Bobby he says, might yeah. be onto something. Yeah, well, you know what a it's <laughs> your job, a douche, sh- but not not a nice guy, Bobby. right? He's, he might be onto something. He goes, "It's your it's your thing to show him that he's not." How am I supposed to do that? That is up to you. Yeah. He goes, you're on your own here, kid. So then yeah. we get uh, poetry class. Yeah. And, They're reading uh, Romeo and Juliet. Right. And, Bob, you know, Lenny is the only guy paying attention. He's in his own world, which they'll prove in a couple of minutes how much he's yeah. in his own world. But, you know, the thing I love is that he clearly knows the answer. He has to look at Sharon, though, and, of course, Melissa loves the fact he gave the answer. And then he's like, smart kid. Bobby says, smart kid. Gets, yeah. the, gets the pencil shavings blown in his face, but still a spaz. <laughs> but what I love is he's sitting at the table, and when Melissa comes over, she's having a conversation with them. It takes them like 15 seconds to say, oh, hi, Melissa. That tells yeah. you how much of it in his own world this guy really is. Yeah, and, and that also shows how much into Sharon he is. He didn't even notice Melissa sit down, you know. Like, yeah, she's l- literally just sitting there, and she she mentioned something that the uh, the teacher had said something about him. Yeah, you're the best. You know, you analyze poetry better than anybody than anyone he's ever had. You know, doesn't that make you feel special? He goes, if if I'm so special, why does everybody think I'm a jerk? Nobody thinks that. Oh, come on, Melissa. You know, I mean, I can yeah. I could say the whole quote, but essentially, he's like, you know, I gotta go. They were going to study. He goes to talk to Sharon, and Gallo's like, what do you want, douchebag? <laughs> yeah. And his other friend, this guy is more threatening than Gallo. Yeah. Let's he, he's, he, he's, he's basically the muscle of the two. Yeah. You know, so um, so th- this guy, he, yeah, he does he does basically the dirty work. I mean, uh, Gallo doesn't do anything really until a little bit later, not, later on when they're outside of class. So uh, McIntyre is his name, which I think they only bring it up like one time. Right. Um, it, he, he tries to like uh, – or he, he confronts 
Lenny and then like digs his uh, cowboy boot heel into Lenny's foot, which, ah, man, if you even think about it, that's got to be painful. But the look on Lenny, like you can see the pain, but he's holding it in. Oh, yeah. And then he walks away. He's going to kick him. Bobby grabs his leg, throws him, which is hilarious. Everybody just loves it. He crashes. It's all good. And then we get the reveal you know, of Bobby and Lenny together, he's like, look, you know, I hope you're not thinking about taking a dive this time. I'm not going to be there to catch you. He goes, how'd you do that? He goes, you know, let's cut the BS. You right. know, I'm not from this earth. And, you know, it's a it's a fun sequence of events of him trying to prove. And my favorite is when he takes his turn paper and rips it to pieces. That That was priceless. Yeah, that, that's it. this is a hilarious scene here. The first test he does, um, he takes off his jacket and he's like, hey, this, this jacket is special to me. He goes, I'm going to make it fly like an eagle. And then he throws it off the cliff and it just falls like an iron eagle. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should try something a little you know, simpler. Maybe turn yourself into a duck. Don't piss me yeah. off, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like making it rain or turn into – yeah, because yeah. right before that he goes, I'm going to make that tree disappear. <laughs> and then he just shows this tree and he's like waving his hands like nothing's happening. So. Raffy, yeah, so there's a trick to it, yeah. Yeah, so, so Lenny's just like ripping on him. Yeah, then, then he does a turn paper. And then this, this part I think is funny too, where he goes, okay, I got it. So they go out to the middle of this road and the semis come in like, you know, regular speed, probably like 60 miles per hour. And Bobby's just standing there. And then he's like, dude, what are you doing? And, you know, Bobby keeps looking over all nonchalant. Ah, I got this. You know, I, he just waves him off kind yeah, of thing. I love Lenny's face. Get out of the way! Yeah. His face is so priceless, dude. Yeah. Well, Bobby's uh, face is just as priceless, like, seconds before he even, like, you know, close to um, comes close to getting hit. Like, he just jumps out of the way and just screams. Yeah. He's like, look, I may be dead, but I'm not stupid. You know, he says, I may be dead, but I ain't crazy. Oh, he, crazy. Okay. Yeah. And now, here's the thing. The only thing that's really, really bad in this movie are the effects. And the, the what's disappointing is, is some effects that would seem a lot harder to pull off or pull off flawlessly and other effects are not uh the first effect we get is essentially bobby is pissed with lenny and they keep walking and they go to the end of the cliff and they're they're hanging on the air doesn't doesn't look bad at all actually It, it looks pretty good i would say it's an okay effect you know you and i we are big practical effect guys so no CGI in this movie. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming green screen, stuff like that. But I yeah. would say for this effect, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it like a solid 7. Looks, yeah, 7 is pretty fair. Yeah, it looks pretty yeah. good. So and, the only thing that kind of bothered me was that the, this is the first time that we get to see him really do anything, right? So I was just like, well, how, how does that even work? Because he's not doing anything special for them to be floating. It just happens. Well, so, that's, but yeah, but that's where you learn, though, is that any powers, anything he does that is quote unquote not of this earth, mm-hmm. it, he can only do with Lenny. So that would be not of this earth. Walking okay. off a cliff into the air is not of this earth. And yeah. he did that power, even though he was pissed at Lenny, it's because he was with him and yeah. he learns to control that. Yeah, you know. maybe if it's like relevant to to his assignment, you know, like like making a tree disappear that has nothing to do with Lenny. Exactly, and okay. and this did because it's proving a point that he is in fact dead. He can do things, and you know, then they have some fun with it where he's riding on a bike, making Lenny run. And you see this old couple must be or this old guy says must be Japanese, and yeah. that effect looked great. Just the bike, nobody there looked fantastic. Ten yeah. out of ten out of ten there. That was great. 
It, lo- it looks good, especially because the bike is pedaling too. So if it was going by itself and the pedals didn't move, I'd be a little suspect about it. But that, that, yeah, that's a pretty cool effect. But, you know, I, I kind of wonder, and it, it may sound like I'm just nitpicking this thing, but the fact that Lenny's even allowing Bobby to, to ride the bike, you, shouldn't he think like, hey, people are going to see us. We should be really careful about you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but again, it's been proven Lenny's in his own world. Yeah, Lenny yeah. doesn't care about what other people think. It's not right. until a little bit later he will. A little will. bit later, yeah, so yeah. this, this okay. still makes sense for his character because because okay. he's in his own world. He's very confused. If you had a you know a ghost come up to you, you're going to do some things that aren't normal. So right, yeah. Now we get to a montage that mm-hmm. I absolutely love. It's my second favorite montage of the movie. And it's, uh, I'm going to give you the look. I'm going to give you the flash. And we get Animal Attraction, which is yes. a fantastic. This is my third favorite song from the soundtrack. Fa- okay. Fantastic. I love this song. It's uh, by uh, Jamie Bond, who will actually do another song we'll hear later on in the movie. Right. And this part of the movie is he's got to give him the look. So, of course, you know, he's thinking 1950s look. But he eventually yeah. gets down to the point where it's a leather leather jacket now. Funny enough, if you pay attention to the cashier, that cashier is the girl who dropped the book that Bobby looked at her boobs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, I had no idea. Yeah, same girl. And uh, he's like, you want to be you? Fine. And he does this snap of fingers and he's naked. I honestly don't think this is Jason Gedrick's rear end, honestly. <laughs> I know it's his front end, but I somehow <laughs> think it's like his body double. I don't know why. I've always thought that. I might be completely wrong. But I just, I've always had a feeling that that wasn't actually him, that he probably didn't feel comfortable in doing that. I don't know. So. Yeah. No, it was a funny comment you made that it, it, it's his front end, though. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's his <laughs> chest. Yeah. But yes. uh, he's like, so you let's want... be clear on that. <laughs> right, exactly. And then uh, he's like, you know, he gets him the, the, the moose. He's like, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I'll be the only kid in school with a bulletproof hat. Yeah. So then we well, get, no, go ahead. I was going to say, what what do you think with the outfit that they ultimately uh, decided on? You know, it's this black, I don't know, windbreaker-ish kind of material, and it's got a lot of zippers on it, kind of like a Michael Jackson jacket. Yeah, he, here's my only problem. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the the look. It's fantastic. Okay. I love that jacket. It just It's so 85. It works perfectly. My only problem is, is the fact that it's the same outfit he's going to wear throughout the whole movie. Good that's, point. That's what pisses yeah. me off. They do yeah. change it up with his undershirt, but he wears the same pants and the jacket the whole movie. They should okay. have picked another outfit to go along with it. That's my only problem, but it's so minor. It's forgivable. I move on. That's okay. my only issue with it. And, and I'll bring up the scene again later on. Um, something kind of references it. But we go to the junkyard. Now, would you call this kind of a montage? Yes, I would. Okay. It's a dream machine. Unfortunately, this is not on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, now... This is actually done very well. There's only one sequence where you can see strings are being used. It's on the muffler when they're moving. The, especially if you watch, if you take the DVD and you watch it in a Blu-ray player and it has the upscale, mm-hmm. uh, which is what, you know, I put this in my PS4 and it was much clearer. So yeah. some of these effects are a lot easier to see versus if you watch in a DVD player, it's kind of dark. It'll cover things up. But when they're moving the muffler, you see the string. But making the car actually looks really good the only bad shot is when the car is up and they're putting it down if you look towards the back of the fender there's a lot of color that's going in and out 
So, yeah, because you, you know that it was superimposed onto that scene. Yeah, that's yeah. A, so. Overall, I would give it an eight because yeah. for the most part, it was solid throughout. Especially, just I just love the whole effect. It was great him making the car, but just that last shot kind of took it from a ten to an eight. Yeah, the <clears throat> excuse me. The the only couple things that stood out to me, uh, he added brand new seats, which I'm like, eh, it's a junkyard. It, it, they're usually like you know a little bit warm, but yeah, he, he was able to find brand new seats that was uh, put into the car. Uh, another thing, this is more of. Uh, an editing issue i think but when he is swiping his fingers yeah. um yeah yeah, yeah he, I, I know what you're talking left, about yeah right yeah so and, yeah he swipes his finger left but the paint is actually swiping to the right so and, totally and then editing thing. don't forget the rim the hubcaps are on the vehicle and then he puts the paint on the hubcaps aren't there so yeah it's an editing thing yeah yeah you know you can nitpick that because every sure. movie like the karate kid my favorite movie of all time, but when I did that review, I must have picked out 20 nitpicks where there's a smoke machine uh, in a corner while he's running away from the Cobra Kai before he gets his <laughs> yeah. ass kicked. You know, there, you can if you look for it, you're going to find it in any movie. There's not right. one movie on the face of the planet that is has no flaws in it. It's impossible. There's yeah. not one movie, but it, it doesn't take me out at all. But it was it, it was something I definitely noticed. But like, huh, editing. Yeah. Now, yeah. The the thing with the new the new chairs, he could do that with his powers because he took rust out of it. You know uh, that yeah, paint yeah. that paint came from him. It didn't come from paint in the junkyard. Right, all right. he needed was the actual parts. To, yeah. To and then he cleaned it up. I mean, where'd the dice come from? Those just miraculously showed up. So right. you got to give point. it that his powers are able to make the car because it's for his use to make him cool. So right. therefore, he's able to have those powers. He's able to extend those powers and they'll work. So that's it. it wasn't the fact there was new seats. It's the fact that he made them new because of that, his powers. That's a good point. That's probably just something that. Um... You know, that maybe they didn't do so well on screen because we do get to see him, you know, um, kind of updating all these different types of stuff. So they're just not doing it to every single part. We're just supposed to get that. Exactly. That, that he does that for every single one. Exactly. Okay. This is 90 minutes long. Only so yep. much you can say. Sure. Now, we get my favorite montage of the whole movie where he's going to look for a girl and, yeah. and he has the, the smokes. An animal attraction place. Uh, yep. there's actually a theme song that plays with somebody else that we'll talk about in a little bit, but I love, I love this. This is fantastic. Uh, he's just making just, he looks like an idiot as he's doing things and you know, cigarettes go here, cigarettes go there. It's just, it's fantastic. I love it. And, uh, what do you think, man? I, I think it was great actually. Um, what, what, um, there's a thing that we kind of did miss before, before all of this happened. Um, Bobby is kind of schooling him on a little on a little bit of swag, if ah, you will. Right, right. Yes, so he says first you gotta you gotta own the joint. You know you gotta walk in somewhere and all eyes are on you. And second you gotta look like you got everything covered. And you know he does that hand motion that he usually does too. Right. You know, hey yeah. baby, you're too fine to be sitting there all alone. <laughs> yeah. She's not a hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't I know he, if he gets thrown out or something like that. That's a pretty funny one. And then, of course, when he goes up to the girl, my name's Lynn. Yeah. 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 Goes, I've she, never she's seen, walking by herself. Right? I've never seen a chick that ferocious in all my life. You know? Yeah. I love when they go to, uh, oh, my God, when they go to the gay joint. And Lenny yeah. knows it's a gay joint. 
He yeah, knows you can see it. it on his face. Yeah, they they pull up, and then uh, Bobby's like, "You're on my turf now." Yeah, it's like, "Let me take you to uh, uh, let me." He, he so they pull up to a bar, and Bobby goes, "Chicks in there, they know how to treat a man right," <laughs> or something like that. Oh yeah, so, it's so good. And dude. and Lenny's like, oh, I'll, "I'll just wait right here." So so Bobby walks in, and this scene kind of you know, it reminds me of the scene from Police Academy. You walk into this bar, it's just a bunch of gay guys wearing like leather vests, yeah, and and exactly. you know they got the handlebar mustaches. And, and I love that song. Unfortunately, it's not on the soundtrack, man. I've always wanted that song. I always thought that was a very funky, cool song, man. Oh, you just got to look it up and find it, you know. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be on the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, again, a lot of changes. Yeah, a lot of, that's his thing. A lot of changes. Now, I love when, uh, hey, this is some bitch in car. Can you take us for a ride? And I love the fact that the girls in the back are separated and, and Bobby yeah. gets to sit in the middle. Sit in the middle. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of funny. I, You know, since I watched this so many times, I don't pay attention to Lenny. I like paying attention to Bobby's face in yeah. all, in all these scenes that he's in the back seat especially later on when he's with uh what's her face and she, I think that's kind of on purpose too because not only is this movie about Lenny it, it, it is about Bobby you know this is kind of your formulaic uh, fish out of water kind of thing you know because this guy is from the 60s and now he, it's also about him in the 80s and how he's kind of um, not really accepting these changes but just coming to terms with them like wow you know a lot of things have changed since since I've been out right but really this is probably the only fish out of water movie where the fish out of water truly isn't the fish out of the water <laughs> if you think about it because yeah. he still has everything in control he's still handling everything so much better than a typical normal fish out of water person right right you know what i mean that that's yeah, yeah. The, that's a slight difference yeah um, he's not completely naive to everything you exactly. know this isn't like a foreign world or anything but yeah he, he still got it but yeah just some new changes yeah and and then uh they get home and he's watching tv and i love how he's just with his mouth open and like a lot of changes can yeah. you imagine if there was a remake you know, and he's like watching FX and there's all this swearing and, and he's watching maybe NYPD Blue and there's naked chicks and stuff like yeah. that. I'm In regular, color, too. Yeah. <laughs> Can you I, I'm just I, I pray to God they never remake this movie. They did that with the Karate Kid, but I pray to God this never happens because this movie is 100 percent perfect in 1985. Do not screw this up, Hollywood. I know you're listening to this. Don't ever touch this movie. Yeah, I, I I totally understand that, but I would love to see an updated version of this. Oh, you know? <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, like instead of a Walkman, he's got an iPod. Um, I don't, I, maybe not aerobics. Now it's yoga. You know, girls in yoga pants. You know, kind of thing. It, it'd be it'd be an e- easy movie to kind of update. But no, I, I totally get it. Yeah, and then uh, he's smoking weed like a cigarette, and yep. he's and he's like, this tastes funny. And he's like, what are you trying to do? Kill yourself? That's how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. You know, and he's like, it's called grass. You mean I'm smoking somebody's lawn? You know, now this is the worst effect in the whole entire movie. Uh, Lenny. Floating. Yeah. When they're floating, they turn white. Uh, and then they'll do a shot where their heads are on the ceiling, which is in real, you know, it's real color. But anytime they're far away shots, this is especially when Bobby can go through a door flawlessly why yep. this looks so bad. It really, you know, now keep in mind, since I've seen this movie hundreds of times, it's so mm-hmm. forgivable for me. But if I'm being critical of the movie, as I, you know, as people know, I always try to find the good in the bad movies, except 
Puppet Master. That's the worst movie ever made outside of Halloween, Rob Zombie, Halloween 2. No, I agreed with you. I emailed on that one. Yeah, but, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that if I got to be critical for something, it's definitely this scene of why could you guys not make that look better when Bobby going through a door, which would to me be way harder to pull off, look seamless, but mm-hmm. you can't make this have the right coloring. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Is it going to make me drop a star rating? Absolutely not. No, no. Yeah, so um, so they're floating in the air, and uh, Lenny's laughing hysterically because he's high. And uh, so, so you hear... Uh, Lenny's mom from the other side of the door and she's just wondering what's going on and he said he's reading a funny book and she's like well you know it's so funny after you're done reading it I want to read it too and then just the look on Bobby's face you know you you see him he's just thinking man it's like man there's something familiar about that voice Mm -hmm. and he starts to come down yeah so yeah yeah he comes down and he kind of sees her face in the mirror but once she turns around and then especially when he sees Joe he's like oh I'm gonna be sick and yeah. the, the the thing we didn't talk about is that uh, Rafferty uh, talks through the radio. I like to call him, uh, you know, Rafferty Radio. Uh, he, that's how he communicates. So he, so Bobby goes downstairs very loud, I might add you, with the radio and tries to yeah. talk to Rafferty and, again, goes out the door, looks seamless. And that's when you find out that Lenny has two half-brothers, um, yep. you know, and because Joe Joe comes down wondering what all that ruckus is, right? And and then we have the talk between Lenny and his mom. Now in this conversation, you can clearly tell these two have a fantastic relationship. Especially when she says, "I thought we don't hide anything from each other." And yeah. he's, he's so sweet to her, you know. And then, uh, you know, Bobby, you know, really nothing gives her any sort of like red flags until he says, "I got it covered." And, right. and she turns around and he puts his hands up exactly how Bobby would do. I got it covered. Yeah, because they're 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 all sitting him down and they're like, so uh, Joe says, so you, you got the car from your friend, you got these clothes, so he just gave them to you for free, right? You know, so yeah, and um, so, and this is what I wanted to go back on. So so did Bobby pay for those clothes? Now they don't get into it. Uh, He's just saying. Yeah, I I figured that that Lenny bought him, but I do know that when he gets out of his bed and looks out the window and says, Bobby, clearly Mm -hmm. the car wasn't there earlier or he wouldn't have said that, that Bobby had the car. And Bobby was, you know, because Bobby's driving around looking for Rafferty, trying to get a new assignment. It says he does, you know, the 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 meathead is the kid's father, and and Rafferty wants him to stay. And of course, he's like, "You guys are famous for this stuff, you know. This is supposed to be a test." And yeah. you know, we we don't know yet. You know, let's just say we're reviewing this as though we've never seen the movie. We don't know the the, the big reveal that's going to happen in a few minutes. Right. But yep. Rafferty knows, of course. So he's yeah. like, fine, I'll, I'll see what I can do to get you another assignment. And we later see Bobby go in the bedroom. Now, clearly Bobby opened that window and is just sitting there. I would think being a ghost, you wouldn't have to open a window to sit on a ledge. But it's forgivable. Yeah, yeah, some little. You know what I mean? But yeah. but then he comes out and says Bobby again. So clearly you know Bobby, which again, why does Bobby need a car to get around? But, right, but I, there's yeah, really no I, I rules almost, there. 
I almost wonder if they kind of just added that audio in afterwards, you know, because it didn't look like he had just said it. I know it didn't show his face, but it just seemed a little out of place that he even said Bobby. You know, I I think if they didn't even put that in there and he just looks outside and you see the car, I think we can probably put two and two together. Yeah, exactly. But again, it's forgivable. No big deal. Mm -hmm. Now, I do love now we know Lenny is a smart guy. Now, there's a kind of a joke that I've never known how to take. And that's essentially, you know, his brothers say, hey, take me for a ride. And, you know, we have Gallo and, and his boy talk smack. Lenny blows him away in a race and he goes to school. And, yeah. and Gallo shows up and we have this we have this brother talking about, <laughs> you know, the engine that says, hey, is this a V8 or a six cylinder? And yeah. Lenny says both. Now, yeah. we, we know that Lenny is a smart guy. So I'm going to assume he's serious that somehow this engine is both and he's not BSing. No, I don't think he knows at all. I think he's just book smart and, and not, you know, really savvy with cars. You know, the mechanics. Yeah, okay. yeah, that type of stuff. So yeah, six cylinder or eight cylinder, he's like both. Like if you did if you knew anything about cars, you know it, it's impossible, it's a, right? Yeah, it's only one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. So he's only book smart and I think that's what we get from this scene. Okay, yeah. Cause I've never known how to take this joke if he was being like it's for real serious that this yeah. engine is just the only engine in the world that would have both, or he was just he had no idea, just played it off being cool. Yeah, because he he's got that slight hesitation before he answers, and, yeah. and that's why like uh, that guy was just like, wait, wait, wait. and he's got that look on his face, like, mm, okay. But it it gets taken away when he's like, it's simple, Gallo. I just use something you ain't got, brains. You know, everybody right. starts laughing, and that takes care of that. Now we get the beginning of douche Lenny uh, walking down the uh, walking down you know the hallway, and everybody's like, like hey, so- Lenny, what's up? You know, yeah. and, and he's wearing the same outfit he's been wearing the past two days. Which Probably is, slept in it. Yeah, which is fine. Sure. Now, and he, and he, of course, Melissa, he gives her the cold shoulder and stupid, uh, what's her face, says, hey, walk me to class. And you they're know? already there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're already there. That's fine. And then Gallo finds out what's going on and says, after school. That's it. All you hear is after school. And you're like, yeah. okay, obviously after school means I'm, you know, he's gonna, they're going to Something's going to happen. Yeah. Sure. And then uh, Melissa shows up. He's like, hey, I heard, you know, it's a rumor all over school that you're going to challenge, you know, you're going to fight Gallo. Is this true? And he just look, nods his head, and there she is. What are you going to do? Probably die. So Lenny has a big old book of uh, William Shakespeare, and he goes, uh, you know, I'm going to kick your ass. He goes, I am not. I don't like the way that sounds. Yeah, you're not going to like the way that feels. feels yeah. And we- Lenny kicks his rear end. It's awesome. Yeah, we we actually missed a, a a brief scene here, but when Bobby was back at the scene of his death, mm. yeah, um, actually, um, okay, you're right because um, you're right. Okay, so let me let me bring it back a little bit because this is a uh, another added scene. Yep. So so Lenny or Bobby is at the end of the cliff, looks down. So he he goes down, and as he's going through the rubble, uh, he sees his ring. And he picks it up. Now, at this moment in time, this is in the movie. When Rafferty comes, you'll see that Bobby changes his hands from one hand to the other. But you never knew what that was. It was him taking his ring and putting it from the left hand to the right hand. And after he says, you know, I'm going to stick this out. I got a lot of time invested in this kid. After Rafferty leaves, he opens his hand. And in his hand is a very um, dirty, greasy, real burnt up. The ring itself is is just full of ash is essentially yeah. it. 
And then you're right. That's when we get to the fight. But uh, in the theatrical cut, you saw Lenny change from one hand to the other, and you never knew what that was about. And that's what it was: is him change put in the ring from one hand to the other. So. Yeah, and, and and this scene is pretty significant because this is where we kind of see that um, Bobby kind of has a change of heart. You know, he um, he wants to stick it out basically, right? Uh, and and Raph says that he'll pull some strings uh, to get him a new assignment. Yeah, yeah, and that's when he's like, no, you know, he's like, well, thanks, kid. You know, it'll save us both a lot of grief, you know, because he said I got a lot of time invested in this kid, you know, good thing. So yeah, then, starting to like him. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's when we get the fight, and he actually after. Lenny takes out Gallo. That's when McIntyre can't punch. You know, yeah, Lenny. yeah. He tries to swing, and then Bobby's like, you, you, you know, you can already imagine Bobby's like holding his fist, and then he, he throws him over the fence, and uh, basically Sharon comes over and she asks him for a ride home. Now, when uh, they're they're gonna have their first date, and you see Bobby and Lenny getting, you know, helping him get dressed, you know, before he says, uh, "Hey, I'm still the teacher here." He's he actually gives Lenny the ring. He says, "Hey, I want you to wear this." He goes, "Man, this is kind of big." He goes, "It it was my good luck charm. I want you to wear it for tonight." And he goes, "Fine." And then he says, "You know, uh, don't forget, I'm still the teacher here." So during the whole date, Lenny has that ring on. Yeah, and see, I didn't get that part on on my version at all. Yeah, That's and nuts. yeah, this will. And actually, I have all these scenes that I can send you. So yeah, I, it's just so crazy. I don't even know. I mean, that, these are really big stuff. I mean, this changes things. You know what I mean? Well, there's one huge scene that made no yeah. sense. Oh, that makes sense because of this ring subplot that they cut out. Oh yeah, later on. Yeah, later on, yeah. which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah. uh, what I love is we get we get the dance. You know, he's right at her house, and he's all like 1960s style. You got a romance, man. You got yeah. yeah he's just giving the romance talk. She right. comes out, horn it up, and she he, leans over, shows he, us the goodies. Yeah, he's like, "Holy, you know." S. Yeah. And the thing is, is that when you watch Bobby's face when she's like, "Can we get it?" You know, "Can we just skip this and go get it on?" Right. His face goes, "Oh my god!" And his head hits the back of the. Um, back of the seat because yeah. he is just blown away. And then, of course, as they're getting it on, he's outside saying a lot of changes. Yeah. And then, you know, she's like, I made it with a lot of first timers. And he's like, right. yuck, <laughs> you know. And I do like the fact he's like, look, I'm glad you scored. You know, he gives him some credit, but I don't think this is the girl for you. She's cold around the heart. And there's yeah. a perfect song that's going to come up about being heartless, which I absolutely love. Again, soundtrack dealing with the movie, but we haven't got there yet. But yeah, he's like, yeah. But he's like, hey, man, don't bring me down. He's like, you're right. Let's go Let's celebrate. celebrate. Yeah. So then we cut to them coming home drunk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bobby's just talking. And then uh, then he's like, shh. Yeah. Like, they, they can't hear they me. They can't hear me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so Lenny yeah, laughs hysterically, and then he tries to sit down and just completely face plants. He, he just misses the seat. Now, here is the most important scene in the movie that makes no sense, but will now. So um, Emily comes in the room and sees that Lenny is drunk, and, and she covers him up. At this point in the theatrical cut, she her mouth is open, she leaves, and she goes and looks at a yearbook. What the reason why is when she's putting Lenny to bed, she grabs his hand and sees the ring is on his hand. 
Right. Then her mouth opens up, as you see in the theatrical cut, but you have no idea why she gets up, and that's what makes her go to the yearbook. That scene makes no damn sense why the hell she would just randomly pull out the yearbook, but seeing that ring would totally explain that. So why they cut that out makes no sense. And the problem is this subplot is four minutes longer tops. Yeah, and and what it doesn't really explain too is that uh, once you know she kind of sees the ring, she gets up and walks out of the room. But since the edited version, it doesn't show the ring; it just shows her. You know, you see the expression on her face, and she leaves the room. But then you see um, Bobby standing there, and he's got the smirk on his face. Yeah. So if you didn't see that see that added footage, you'd be like, "Why has he got that smirk? You know, exactly. what is, what is he up to? Right? So, why, why is he so happy that Len, that she saw Lenny drunk?" But it's right. because that, hey, you saw the ring, I'm still around, you yeah. know. And that's what really is frustrating because, it, you know, most people probably like they're not going to get it. But the more they watch it, they're going to be like, well, that kind of doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, it makes perfect sense. They just cut it out of the movie. That's the problem. And, uh, you know, actually we see uh, after this, we actually don't get the yearbook right away. Uh, it's going to be a day later before she goes to the yearbook, but, um, we go back to the high school the next day. Yeah. And they're at lunch they're at and lunch, yeah. yeah, Lenny's having, uh, um, lunch with Sharon and a bunch of other girls. Is, is he wearing the same clothes again? I, I don't remember. He's at this point, he started to change up his shirt. He wears the okay. jacket, but he's wearing different shirts. He okay. only wore the first white shirt, uh, that night that he went, you know, trying to hook up and the first day of school. But he changes his shirt up, but he wears the jacket the whole movie. That's the problem. Um, yeah. He never takes it off, you know. But uh, this is the first time we see Lenny be a jerk to Bobby. He's like, hey, those guys have something planned. They ain't done with you yet. He's like, yeah. I got it covered, and he pushes him away. Because essentially, Gallo is being disrespected. Everybody kind of pushes around, hey, man, you know. And he's like, well, what if I go kick his ass right here? He's like, no. And McIntyre says, Fighting isn't the answer. We got to do something big. And Bobby overhears this, and we all know it's going to be a race. And, right. and when Bobby tries to warn Lenny, Lenny, for the first time, gives attitude to Bobby. Yeah, and, and not only Bobby, but during that lunch scene, he's looking over at Melissa, and she's sitting um, you know, all by herself at the lunch table, and they keep exchanging looks. Yep. And just the look that Lenny's given her, you know, it's kind of douchey. Yeah, and right after this, we now see Emily looking at the yearbook, and, and we have the Heart of Love song, which is the theme song that will be played every time that Bobby and Emily are together, which I right. love. It, it's so fantastic because there's another song that's called Two Minute Love. I don't know if you know this, but any time yeah. that Lenny and uh, – and um, God, what's her Melissa? name? Mel- Mel- no, not Melissa. Oh, Sharon. Sharon. Every time Sharon and Lenny are together, they play Two Minute Love, which is – it's true. It's Two Minute it Love. Is. Right. But when you get to Bobby and Emily, it's Heart of Love, which is such a beautiful, fantastic song sung by the girl that sings Animal Attraction. She's just got a beautiful voice. I love the consistency there. It's so amazing. The music really helps sell the story so good. And it actually gives a lot of story that you can fill in based on all the music that they're playing. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, so she's looking at the yearbook, and and then uh, Lenny comes out, says he's going to party. She wants to have a talk, and mouths off. And this at this point, when Bobby tries to stop Lenny, Lenny actually gets in the car, 
and he throws the ring in Bobby's face and says, I don't need this anymore. I make my own luck. And Bobby picks up the ring, and that's when uh, his dad and uh, Emily come out and say, Lenny, and he drives off. So Yeah. So that's how uh, Bobby will actually get the ring back. Yeah. But, and, uh, yeah, um, Bobby went over to him before he took off and was like, you know, that's no way to talk to your mother. Yep. And so they have a little exchange. So you see, you know, kind of a falling out at this point where, um, you know, Lenny just – his ego is just – huge right so now he feels like he doesn't even need bobby to help him out exactly and then uh basically at this point he goes to pick up sharon and instead of going to the party they want to go to max and melissa sees that uh they're in and uh actually there's a cut scene of max trying to tell her to go to the table and she doesn't want to but he's like that's your table you need to take care of it so that's another scene that was actually cut out because she didn't want to do that table but Max made her go to that table. That that makes a lot of sense because um, I mean when she when she does come, she's you know bringing water and she puts it down like really aggressively, exactly. you know, and and so so obviously she was told to do something she didn't want to do. So yeah, I think maybe they took it out because maybe it just shows that she's that much more upset at him. I think it's just they wanted to keep that ninety minute, you know, because ninety minutes was kind of the given back in the eighties. So I think that's yeah. why they cut a lot of this stuff, but. Uh, when you watch this on Comedy Central, all these scenes are included in that version. So weird. Yeah. Because yeah. they did that, like, there's a lot of movies I love to watch the TV version of because it expands more than the theatrical cut, like Halloween 2. Halloween 2 has more scenes than the theatrical cut, which are so much better than what you actually, or Halloween and Halloween too, they change things up and stuff like that. But that's another podcast. Sure. So yeah. So basically, now we go to um, at this point, Bobby has revealed himself to Emily, and we never. You did bring up that there's something. Yeah, you did bring up that there's something he's always wanted to tell her. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. There's a. Uh, I wanted to go back to the uh, Maxes real quick. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Sure. Um, uh, Melissa. She. Well, she puts down the cups, and then um, Lenny is like, what's your problem? And she goes, why do you care? And she walks off, you know, obviously upset. And then Sharon's like, you know, forget about her. She's a loser, and everyone knows it. You know, and, and Lenny's kind of like, you know, hey, she she's, you know, good people or whatever. And then he goes after her. You know, he's looking for her, and then he uh, he's looking through the, the kitchen door, and he sees that she's crying, you know, and he kind of like, kind of realizes at that point like wow you know she's she's got these feelings for me and exactly. you know and i've i've hurt her right so that that kind of makes him change a little bit too at this point exactly exactly yeah um, yes so and, now we go back to the house and joe's asleep on his lazy boy with the tv on right and uh that's when uh emily in the in the cut version she wakes up it's two o'clock in the morning and she she gets out of bed and she goes outside. It would have been nice if they left it in there because it tells you how late it is. It makes sense yeah. why Joe's asleep because it kind of feels like it's like 9 o'clock at night, but it's 2 a.m. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's just dozing off. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it, so, it, yeah so, so it also kind of shows that Lenny's still out this late too. Exactly. So it's 2 a.m. And uh, I love it. Bobby reveals himself. And uh, I, now the scene where he's bringing her up the stairs, 
Yeah, it's okay. It's not the best. It's like the 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 scene where they were all white before, but it looks a little bit better. The color isn't as bad as it was before. So yeah, I just think it's funny. Joe's sitting in that seat, but yeah, he kind of wakes up. He sees Emily floating up the stairs, and he just gives this little smirk and goes back to sleep. Yeah, it, it's good stuff. And uh, you know, he's like, once he reveals himself, she's she's like, how? He goes, you know, it uh, it's a long story, uh, but uh, but I'm here. And uh, then after that, it actually cuts to the party to Lenny and uh, yeah, and, Sharon. Uh, Sharon. Yeah, and they're just dancing or Sharon's dancing with like two, three different guys. And then he's just sitting there obviously contemplating about some things. And they're playing uh-huh. my favorite song from the soundtrack, which is Heartless. That's, Heartless, that's yeah. my favorite song from the soundtrack. Out on the Edge would be number two. It's actually yeah. the first song to start off the soundtrack. And the first song I played in the Underground Hour episode one, Good Times. Very good. Yep, very good. <laughs> but at this point, he clearly knows that what Bobby said is true. She has a yeah. you know a heart of heart of uh, ice, and this is the point where Lenny is being told uh, about you know why did you do this? Why did you do that? And what I love is like, do you love Joe? And she says yes, uh, the same way you love me. And she doesn't answer him, but just gives him the look of like you know that there's nobody I could love the same way I love you. And I love how yeah. he's just like, you know, I don't know how long I got, but I want to make this night special. And I like how they go up in the air, really looks cool. And then when they just appear on that street, all solid effects, man. Good times. Yeah. I, I, I like the writing in this where, where you know, we don't hear um, Emily say, you know, yes or no. You know, it's just the look on her face and, and, and that, you know, the no answer. It, yeah. it says it all. Exactly. Um, and and, and there, there's another thing, too, where, um, you know, right before that, uh, Emily is convincing Bobby, basically, that Joe is a good guy. You know, that, exactly. um, you know, he's taking care of, you know, uh, taking care of her and all this. So that, that that's going to be a little bit foreshadowing where she does talk about him a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And then we get that great, you know, Heart of Love song is playing and he's kind of reliving the moments of them, you know, kissing and then they go out on a dance and he's like, you know, uh, there's so many mistakes that I made. You know, I was, I was too cool to take you to a dance. You know, he's finally realizing all the mistakes that he made, you know, so we see Bobby character is changing and stuff. Yeah. That, that line right there, it, um, watching this last night, it really got to me and actually just thinking about it is giving me little goosebumps. It, it, it just shows, I mean, this line alone, it tells you what kind of guy Bobby was. He was, you know, Mr. Cool. Um, and, and that, this line tells me that that was more important to him than being a great boyfriend. Which, you know, he's, which he's one? like, oh, uh, where he says, uh, you know, remember this gym. And then, you know, you're thinking, oh, then you used to go to the, to the dance all the time. Right. But, um, he just says, you know, I was too cool to, uh, to take you to any of the school dances, yeah. you know? So we're just like, wow. So all those school dances, he's never taken her to because he thought he was too cool. And, and so now you think about her like, wow, she's missed out on a lot of this stuff right. because of this guy. And she's still stuck by him. Yeah. And you clearly know that they were, they've graduated from school. So, you know, that in the beginning of this movie, that they're not in high school, that they're past high school. Yeah, and, and they were ready to make a family, obviously, because back in the '60s, they really, you know, most guys didn't want to get their girlfriend pregnant unless they really wanted to have a kid. So yeah, now, different times. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, there's two scenes that give me chills still to this day. The, as many times as I've seen this movie, 
and it's where you know she's like what do you think of Lenny? He goes, he's he's all right. You know, he's like, you know what? He's better than all right. You know, he was actually, you know, we were actually being great friends until, you know, he wised off to me, even me. Yeah. Got and, a little cocky. Right. Got a little cocky. When she says Lenny is your son and and then it just lingers in the in the way the score is playing and he takes his time. Lenny, my son. Just her, the way her the way she said that line, Lenny is your son. And and when my daughter watched this. She was like, oh, you, I heard that gasp in her like she because she had never seen this before. Yeah. And now she she wants to watch this movie all the time. But yeah, the just, big reveal. Right. Just the big reveal that Bobby is, you know, Bobby's Lenny's dad. And the thing is, he goes, did Joe know? He goes, yeah, but he still wanted to marry me. And the look on his face where he just looks up and he's like, wow, he's really a great guy that he would take my woman and my and my son and and be a family man to them. I was wrong about him, and I was wrong yeah. about a lot of things. Just the whole reveal gives me chills. It's still yeah. fantastic. Me too. Just thinking about it, and and I, I just I think this whole dialogue it just works because it still goes back to that point where, like I said, you know, she was trying to convince him. Hey, you know, he is a good guy. Yeah. And, and so 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 obviously, you know, um, Bobby's just like, yeah, whatever. At that point, but now he gets it. Right? And. And Still wanted to marry you. Exactly. And when he says there's something I've you know, I've been wanting to tell you something for a long, long time I never told you. When he says I love you and that score hits and her tear hits, i I think I've cried at least twenty times. At yeah. least at least. Because it's a great it's, scene. It is. It's fantastic, man. Um, you know, it does it give me chills? It gives me tears. It's just yeah. you know, it gives me the man tears, you know. Yeah. Well I, said. I, I, I love movies that can make me cry. Yeah, you because know, it's doing its job. You know that 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 shows good direction. Exactly. I'm all about you know, for me, movies. I'm all about emotional emotional attachment. You know, I love seeing yeah. stuff blow up. I love I love laughing at one liners. But at the end of the day, when I go into a movie, I want to be emotionally invested into a film. And if you can emotionally invest me, a lot of things I'm going to forgive. And that's why a lot of movies are are. You know, some people say I never give five stars and uh, maybe I give five stars too much. But a movie is that has a lot of emotional heartstrings to me goes a long way. And yeah, cause if, if you don't feel anything, then the movie's not doing its job. Exactly. Yeah. And, and uh, so essentially at this point... Uh, it's they kiss. Th- they, Do they kiss right now? Well, yeah. Yeah. He. He. Ta- they. You know. They kiss then, but takes her home and just says, "You know, will I ever see you again? I'll always be with you." And he's like, "You know, I'll take care of Lenny. You know, I'll take care of everything." And I love the fact that the last thing he ever says to her isn't "I love you again." Is that he, he really is a great kid? They talk about their kid. That's the yeah. last thing you know that his his conversation he's going to have with her. I love that. That's great. Yeah, and then uh, as he's leaving the house, he thanks Joe. Uh, yeah, you know, which for doing is a, what he does, which is another character thing of you would never think that he would ever thank the guy that essentially killed him. You know. Yeah, and then uh, we get, of course, Rafferty picks him up, and they go up, and and he's celebrating. Now they don't go to the book yet, but clearly Lenny's name is in this book. Yeah. Before we get to the acceptance scene. Um, which I, I kind of always find interesting. And, uh, you know, as he's celebrating, Rafi's like, I need to get a drink. And then we cut to Lenny 
and uh, he's trying to make it up with Melissa. Melissa's just telling how much of a douchebag he's been, and yeah. uh, and Gallo shows up, and Gallo he thinks Lenny's not gonna go to this race, but when Lenny accepts, Gallo's kind of like, "Come on, Gallo, you can hear all the guys in the background." He's yeah, like, he's a little he's a little surprised because he challenges him. Yeah, and uh, he kind of walks off as he's smoking a cigarette, thinking that Lenny's gonna back down. Yep. But Lenny's looking confident. He stands there. He's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Yep. And then uh, yeah, Gallo's face is kind of like crap you know i i didn't think he'd say yes yeah and then uh that's when lenny uh we come back to lenny and lenny opens the book and sees leonard's name and and rafferty says that uh you know i was gonna tell you now here's the thing this is a fantastic line you know when when rafferty's trying to tell him that you know it, it was there's nothing you can do you, you know it, it's meant to be he's like it's destiny it's destiny nothing you know i got him into this fix i need to get him out because it's true if bobby never came into his life he would never be in this race so rafferty should know that but i i get where rafferty is going with the fact of he needs bobby to sacrifice his soul so i get the conflict there but i really think that rafferty knows for a fact that that lenny wouldn't be dying if it wasn't because of bobby you know what i mean yeah it's an interesting dynamic that goes on in that scene and uh, it's fantastic it's definitely the best part of the of the whole entire movie is him sacrificing himself for his son and, and yeah no, go ahead. No, oh, nothing big. I was just gonna say, and Lewis Smith, like his his deli- delivery, it just sells it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Say, it's two thumbs up, hands yeah. down. You know, because when he says Rafferty, tell him I give up my soul, he immediately thinks he's gonna go to hell for that. Yeah, I I just really like that hesitation. He goes, "I'll do anything. Tell him I'll give up my soul." You yeah. know, just. And then you see Rafferty's face. You know. Yeah. And uh, and then of course we get uh, you know. Uh, we get the um, the scene, and that's just like the beginning. It's just like the beginning, and this is just uh, it, it's. Of course, we. What I love about this time, there's no music that really plays. Just right. just a small score, you know. And this time, it's not a cuffling that gets stuck, but it's a door, you know. And the I door love, is jammed. Yeah, yeah. I, I love how he's like, "Oh crap! Oh crap!" He's like, "Hey kid." You didn't think I let you down now, did you? And I love how they both swear at the same time. Yeah. Now, did you notice that there's a big old um, string attached to both cars? No, I didn't. Yeah. Both cars are attached to, a str- like, the back of the back of the fender is attached uh-huh. to the front of the other vehicle. I have no idea why, but huh. you can see when it goes off the edge and when they crash, you can see it's like a yellow rope attached to it. It's really weird. That is weird because you're just going to let it go off the cliff anyway. Right. Exactly. And I do, first time I saw this, I really did think Lenny died because you clearly didn't see them get out of the vehicle. But, yeah. and I love how, we know how long that this race is, but Melissa, that girl ran super fast, man, to be able to get down there, you know. We, we actually forgot to, uh, we skipped over that the the family shows up too. Yeah. So not only, not only is Melissa running off there, like Emily and Joe and all of them, they're running off to the cliff. And now you got to think, Emily is witnessing this for the second time, seeing a loved one running or racing off towards a cliff. Yeah, when she's like, Lenny, no, fantastic. Now, when, uh, when Lenny comes up, uh, what they don't show you in the theatrical cut after he kisses Melissa and, uh, you know, and his, he hugs his family and stuff. Uh, Lenny says, uh, Mom, I need to go. I got to say bye to somebody. And she goes, when you do, 
can you tell him bye for me as well? And he looks at her kind of funny. Yeah. And, and he's like, you know him too? And she says, ask me about it later. And then, okay. and, and then she kisses him on the lips, which a lot of people thought was kind of weird, yeah. uh, like online and stuff. But it's, it's a mother to son kind of thing. But yes. she actually tells him to say bye to Bobby. Yeah. And then uh, when he goes to see, uh, the first thing he actually says to him is that my mom told me to tell you goodbye. You know, I didn't know you guys know each other. And that's when he's like, you know, I'm sure she'll tell you about it someday. And yeah, that's that's all different. Yeah. And then, you know, we get the same scene, but then after he gives him the hug before he goes on the bike, he throws the ring back to Lenny and says, give that to somebody special. And he looks at it, he smiles and he puts it in his hand. And that's when he goes to Melissa. I, I almost kind of like the um the 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 footage that they took out. I, I kind of liked it them leaving a little uh, it a little ambiguous, you know, so that we could kind of figure it out ourselves rather than explaining exactly like, oh, didn't know you guys knew each other. Oh yeah, she'll tell you later. Like, I, you know, I, I think we can all assume that that's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. But, so but, but it's I can take it or leave it. Yeah, I yeah. can take it or leave it too. But the the biggest thing with the ring. That that just hurts the movie is the drunk scene. That's really the only thing it really hurts. Everything yeah. else kind of adds more story to it. And uh, then, you know, it's basically he's thinking he's going down. And Raffrey's like, hey, when when you sacrificed yourself, you proved that you love, you value someone more than yourself. That's how you earn your ticket to Uptown. He's like, I'll yeah. be damned. Don't you <laughs> think you could put that another way? Yeah. And I love when they take off. Looks great. He goes, who are you waving at? Somebody very special, you know? Yeah. But yeah. The, the, they're saying goodbye to each other, you know, but we were just getting to be friends. You're my best friend. He goes, wherever I am, we'll always be best friends, you know? That, that's a good line delivery from Jason Gedrick. like the way he says that. You're my best friend. You know, it, it's just so organic. It is. And I love the fact that Bobby never tells him that I'm your dad. I, love, I like that. I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer that he doesn't tell him because if you think about it, this kid's 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. He's already thought Joe was his dad this whole time. You don't want to kind of, you know, disrupt his life by throwing this in, regardless or not that you guys had just become very close friends. It's still kind of a thing. And I'm sure Emily, she'll tell him when she thinks it's right, if she thinks it's right. Right. And when he says, you know, I'm your guardian angel, that kind of makes it a little bit more powerful anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so, sir, um, here's the thing. I, I never went back and listened to my old review. Uh, I think I gave it four stars. You know, the Karate Kid, I gave 5,000 stars to. I know there's no such thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I'm being critical, it, it's definitely it's definitely four and a half with, like, the effects and stuff because those are a little bit dated. But this movie has so much heart, and there's a reason why it's my second favorite movie of all time because it's just so... It's so powerful in the 90 minutes that it tells. So I would give this a thousand stars, to be honest with you. So, yeah. so definitely nostalgia factor, just my love of the movie, five stars. Critical Masunis would give it four and a half based on dated effects. But overall love, music, everything is just perfect. Those, those effects are so forgivable for me that it's an easy five stars. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Everything you said, I feel the same way. There are a few things, um, you know, you, you say you don't want a remake, but the things that I mentioned that can get modernized, I just think would make it that much more better. It's just, you know, yeah, it was it was at the times. You know, I don't know what their budget was, and I'm surely the guy was working with what he had, and he still did a great job. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's really hard for me to decide what kind of score I want to give it, but I'm, I'm going to go with a four and a half. Okay. I think it's still super solid. It's got watchability um, uh, factor. You know, it's very nostalgic. The soundtrack is awesome. And, and even if you, you're not watching the movie, listening to the soundtrack, which you hooked me up with, yep. um, like certain songs, man, it takes you straight to that scene. You don't even got to watch it, man. Right. Just listen to the songs and you, you can envision these scenes. And so... Four and a half, man. I, I definitely want to own this movie. Uh, I'm looking, you know, I keep walking, going over to Target and stuff. They don't have it, so I'm just going to have to order it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up, sir. I got a copy. So Okay. I'll send it your way because I got to send Jameson Men at work so we can review that one day. So I'll hook you up with this one. It's cool. So Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, we got to cut it short. I know we had a game in mind. It's getting late. and you Yeah, know, we're, we're I, at two hours already. Yeah. Son, so. and, and, again, I want to thank you for taking your time to, to join my little show talk about one of your favorite movies your number two of all time so hopefully we can definitely uh, do this again do you want to throw out any of your plugs before we end this uh well first off you know thanks for letting me come on because uh, i definitely felt that i didn't do my first review justice now i definitely do i definitely feel this is way better than my first time around so thanks sir uh, yeah. I hope everybody in the STL Nation checks us out. Um, I hope so. You know, really, uh, STL, you know, you guys know the place, stlpodcast.com. That's links to all my shows. If you like Night Rider, I do the Shadowy Flight uh, podcast. Uh, if you like music, you know, check out the Underground Hour. It's a big fun fact. You know, big fun place, five songs showcase with a lot of games, a lot of name that tune, movie stuff. It's good times. Uh, and then if you want to check out uh, my other show, it's called uh, STL Presents Make Some Noise. Uh, it's got a lot of rocking tunes over there. Check out the first episode. I explain how the show works. It's good times. But I haven't done an episode on that for quite a while. But I definitely want to uh, get back together, sir. You know, you come on STL for a few more episodes. It'll be good. Uh, do a lot of crossover. It'll be fun, man. It's a good time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, so everyone go check him out. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Stitcher, iTunes, all of that. Just just search for Hydrate Level 4. I'm the only thing out there that's anything like that. So, um, so just type that in. You can find me on any of those. So, Mike, since you are the guest, what, what, why don't you uh, select the music to end it with? Oh, man. Um, okay, how about this? Since I played this on my Heavenly Kid episode, we'll play it on yours, which kind of sums up my show in general, which is uh, Pillars Bring Me Down. Uh, it's my favorite song of all time, and it's kind of the highlight of my show is that uh, nothing brings me down, really. You know, what people say, what people do. You know, I'm all about fun factor. You know, that's how it is. It's a rocking tune. It's a band that a lot of people don't know, but uh, I'm sure you've heard it before on the radio. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a great way to uh, redo my Heavenly Kid uh, review. And uh, it's uh, it's a fantastic song, and it really kind of tells you what STL is all about. Uh, we don't let people bring us down. We're all about being friends, and uh, what goes around comes around, basically. So it's very good times. All right. Well, he's Mike from Sweep the Leg, and I'm Peter from Hydrate Level 4. 
So, um, so by the way, I got to wrap this up like pretty soon because it's nine o'clock. So yeah, I just got a text from my wife too. hurry the f up. Cool. All right. 